Captain America orgy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Captain America colon orgy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I would be like, uh, you, you it's like Civil like, War meets Caligula. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Yellow. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Sheriff. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hi. I said hello, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hello, everybody. Yeah. Um, we are going to go back on our road trip. On the road again. The most time-honored tradition of all, the road trip. Oh, the places you'll go. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Yeah, I'm sick of this place. Let's get back in the car. Finally (laughs) going to Maine. We put Maine off for five weeks. Yeah, we stopped over at a and b and we really really enjoyed it. That's correct. Uh, That's how imposing Maine is. Well, (laughs) that's how far, was it Louisiana was the last one? I think so, yeah. That's how far Louisiana is from Maine. It's It's a long fucking way, man. It takes five weeks to get there. Yeah, we had to talk about the MCU just to keep, just to pass the time. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. That was recorded in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I would love to do that someday. What's that? Like, actually do a road trip where we record while we're, like, oh, yeah. off-site yeah. or in a car or <laughs> that would you know, be on a awesome. field trip or something. Because it's essentially like a, like a podcast episode. We just talk mm-hmm. about movies and yeah. we yeah. take, like, little detours. Yeah. And- this is... This, Maine is going to be the Stephen King episode. Yeah. Just about... There's a lot of Stephen King, obviously, in this whole thing. Everything that he wrote set in Maine, so every movie that was made off of those books. There's actually, you did, might not know, know this, but there's actually a, a Stephen King tax in Maine. Everything you buy, <laughs> that's actual one cent of that purchase goes to Stephen King yes. as a thank you for keeping Maine on the map. <laughs> that's true. We also, th- there's also going to be uh, a movie that uh, essentially ended Gene Hackman's career when yeah. we're showing up on this uh, podcast, <sighs> sadly. Do we, do we, has he said anything publicly? I think he says, I enjoy uh, my retired life. I enjoy writing my poems. I enjoy being with my family. Wow. Is that what he does now? He writes poems? I think so. Interesting. Good I for him. Read yeah. some of those. Good for him. Yeah. I mean, I want to see him in more stuff, but it's not like he hasn't earned I the just, right to disappear. I mm-hmm. just wish somebody like a Paul Thomas Anderson or somebody mm-hmm. would be like, one more movie, man. Yes. Please, please, just one more. Oh. And then, then go, you know, that's all it would take. But, uh, you know, he may at this point be like, you know, he may just be like, yeah, he's 88. Screw it. He's Mm. up there. Yeah. Well, I mean, remember, he started when he first became a star. He was already 40. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you know, that's that's crazy to think about. What he did beforehand? I know that he was in the running for uh, the dad and Brady Bunch at one point. Whoa. Um, Can you imagine? Awesome. Can you imagine Gene Hackman? Uh, Actually, that would be fucking great. It would, yeah, but would the show have lasted as long? Can you imagine him being the the, the dad? Oh man! Yeah, he started in the '60s in the the playhouse in uh, Pasadena. Yeah. Oh, was, you mean what was his career before he tried acting, or was he an actor well, all the way he, up? He was just, in plays and like was TV never, shows. Oh, he's buddies like with Dustin Hoffman mm-hmm. and um and uh, who else was it? Robert is that Duvall. Why he, is that why he, he he? Never mind. It was Robert Duvall. That Robert Duvall and Dustin Hoffman and he were all buddies. 
hmm. in New York, and and I've read some excerpts from some book or whatever that showed like how they were all uh, hanging out back in the day, and like I think I bet Hackman, they party fucking hard. I think too. Hackman was married, so he didn't get a, he didn't get along on the whole like uh, like let's go and bang chicks yeah. train like <laughs> Dustin Hoffman was doing. But um, yeah, that would have been a fun thing to go and if you could go back in time, be and, a fly on that wall, yeah. Anyway, we'll go into our uh, alphabetical list here, and there's some a lot of movies here I've either seen and don't remember, or just mm. haven't seen. I haven't seen Carousel. Does anybody know anything about that? Oh yeah, oh, it's yeah? it's good. Okay, so Rogers and Hammerstein like are known for these big like hey you know ostentatious shows and plays and stuff like that that sometimes translate to movies really really well, and sometimes not as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think this one translated as well because it, it's like it's deeper. Mm-hmm. Like it's got. Um, if I remember correctly, it's the the it's like a dock worker that's trying to make good, and he's trying to you know get the girl and stuff like that, and then things end up happening to where he tries to kill her, or she's almost she almost dies, and then he dies himself, like hmm. he falls on his his knife or something like that. I'm already horrified. And then they go to heaven, and there's the singing all throughout this. And <laughs> yeah, dancing? they're singing. Yeah, lovely. But awesome. there's but it's it's deeper stuff than what you where did, typically get. Is to. there any like? Is there any circular horsey rides? <laughs> Actually, he is a carnival barker, so I think there is an actual carousel. But I mean, you're going to call it carousel. Sure, there's probably a metaphor in here, but show me a carousel, right? It's not like Oklahoma is taking place in Florida, right? <laughs> it's true. Uh, and it was, uh, what was the year that the film came out? It was 1956. Mm-hmm. That was a good year. Uh, Shirley Jones and Gordon McRae. So yeah, it was it was very enjoyable. The songs are fantastic. They're not like they're iconic songs and all that, but because like there's good. a carousel in the Sting, oh, just yeah? because it's in the building they're in. But they didn't mm. call that movie Carousel. No, they didn't. <laughs> you have a problem was, with this name? That was a, that was a far more important thing that they titled it after that. It was, <laughs> there was an actual Sting going on. A Sting. Um, I, yeah. I'm, so this is so this was a good movie. Yes. What yes. would you? What it's would you? Forever. If you like such and such, you probably like this. I mean, if you like, what I mean, what are their their other big things? Oklahoma, I think, is Music is Man. One of them. Music Man, yeah. I mean, it's it's a musical just with a little more weight. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. good right. stuff. Uh, then there's the uh, 2013 remake of Carrie, starring Chloe Grace Moretz. What do you so, think of this movie? Oh, the sorry. original Carrie isn't set in Maine, but this one is. I guess so. That's it's in California. Is the original one? Uh, oh, let's mix it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a screenwriter somewhere patting himself on the back furiously for that. Exactly, because the book happens in Maine. Yeah. Yeah. But they decided to go out to the open air high schools of California. Yeah. Holy Grace Moretz, by the way, has been in at least five horror remakes in her life. The Amityville Horror. Yeah. Let mm-hmm. Me In. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dark Shadows, if you want to consider that a remake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to get and to that. And then she's going to be in Suspiria. Yeah. So. Yeah. She really attracted to these like horror remakes and the Equalizer. Well, yeah, the Equalizer <laughs> as well. What's weird is that she feels like she's been in eighty-two movies already. Yeah, I know she has been in quite a bit. Uh, Sixty-five movies. Yeah, I was man, I wasn't even exaggerating enough. Yeah, like to really make that joke, I should have said like two hundred. <laughs> yeah. Besides Dark Shadows, those are all pretty good. Like Let Me In is is a good remake. Let Me In is. The Carrie remake is okay. Amityville Horror is not. Oh, yeah, that's right. She's got a pretty good picker, though, I think, Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, I think more of her projects end up good than bad. Yeah. 
Um, and she's always good, regardless of what mm-hmm. she's in. Yeah, yeah, she's got a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there is Casper. Is this this is the Christina Ricci? That's Casper, the one. Right? Bill Bill not, Pullman. I've not seen this since it came out. Oh, there are some. Um, you probably have to go onto the deep web to find them. But there's a pocket out there that worship this movie. I'm telling you. Oh yeah. yeah. No, no. I remember there being people who love. And it is not movie. good. Uh oh. No. You like it? No. I mean, it, oh, the movie's not good. I thought you were talking about the pocket. No, the movie's not good. I don't, I don't, I don't I'm just envisioning these brony type people. Oh, no, I don't know Casper whether they're fetishes. good or bad. I just know that there is a small but super passionate fan base for this that I was surprised to learn about. Because uh, to me, I remember the movie. I built it. I watched it. Mm-hmm. I immediately forgot it. It was it was just black. I was I enjoyed this movie very much because I was very very attracted to Christina Ricci. Yeah. Now I, we're the same age, so yeah. it wasn't weird, right? Um, but no, she was just my absolute. Her and Alyssa Milano were my absolute crushes. This is one up. of those conversations that's like there are only a couple conversations we can have where I realize I'm a little older than you, <laughs> but this is one of them. Oh yeah, like because I feel like remembering when that movie came out. I feel like she was like 13 in that movie. Uh, she was around at 15, maybe. She's yeah. my age. Yeah, but she's see, 15. I was, I was 17 when this I was a, a college student assistant manager, second in command of the theater. So like to be attracted to Christina Ricci at that point in time would have been a felony. Right. <laughs> yes. yes. And so it's just weird because usually I generally just feel like we're all the same age because all of our references are the same. Right. We grew up in the same general era. But here, just because of a few years difference, I would be a criminal and you would not. But isn't that isn't that the, the sort of the weird thing, though? Because there's a period of time where you're you're like 19, 20 years old and you consider people like Natalie Portman, Christina Ricci and all these girls like they're th- those are you know, those are children. And then like now you fast forward to today. And yeah. I was watching. I was I, I was looking at stuff on my dvr and as natalie portman on saturday night live was on ah. and i was like i was like damn i remember her being just a child now look at her you know she's grown up she's good she's a mom and all that and she's 37 yeah she's ex- uh, essentially my age yeah. at this point <laughs> and i just remember her just being a child in the professional yep. and everything and it's like that's crazy to me to think that ah you're so much younger than i am yeah. and then later on you're oh you're about the same age yeah. about the same age. by the way want to hang out yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah so uh yeah don't remember much about casper i don't remember much about charlotte's web either although I've, i mean i read the book this is the dakota fanning mm-hmm. one right yeah this um, has got really and i haven't seen it recently but at the time it had like babe level cgi that it, even better obviously 11 years mm-hmm. later uh, but it really, really played well. Yeah, now, that yeah. still holds up pretty well. Yeah, I remember this being pretty good, mm. actually. Um, that story is is timeless. Yeah, it's great. You know, I remember reading it as a kid, and then what? You know, it's just a it's just a movie. It's always good. Mm-hmm. Always a good story. Uh, here's here's a unfortunate, uh, <laughs> big, huge uh, gap in my movie watching. I've never seen Children of a Lesser God really yeah. children of a lesser god oh. yeah i've never seen it either yeah oh it's really good i know that barrett has raved about it before, yeah and yeah I, and i have never seen it so so this is marley matlin's first perform first feature performance at mm-hmm. least and she of course won the academy award uh it's great it's like uh from what i remember it's like an old crotchety dude he's, he's not old crotchety at the beginning but he's like a professor or something like that and he forms this relationship with a deaf woman and what I liked about it is that, like, the movie could be just about that. Like, a romantic comedy, I fall in love with the deaf woman, we figure out how to make it work, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. 
but it shows like the practical realities of their relationship, him getting frustrated and being basically like, why can't you hear me? Mm -hmm. You know, like what you'd imagine, maybe something that would come up in a, in a regular relationship. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they were scared of showing that. I think it was based on a play too. Mm. Uh, And because of that, I think they got these powerhouse performances. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, Worth a worth a look for sure. Yeah, I mean it's one that I'll have to I'll have to. This is I mean we live in this era and it's only going to get worse because they're just cranking out more and more good shit TV and movie wise. Yeah. They're never going to catch up. No, know? so everybody's got gaps in their resume. Um, a movie I have unfortunately seen is the Cider House. Where <laughs> <laughs> This is the oh. this is the most colorful, prettiest movie that made me feel icky ever. Yeah, um, it is icky. It, well, there's some icky shit in there. There's some icky shit. This was in the period of time where anything Lassa Hallstrom did got nominated, like either Best Picture or somebody in the movie got nominated or whatever. Well, and this was written by an author whose books all go number one bestseller list to um, John John Irving. John Irving. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. This. This. I, I don't. I just. I mean, it's just one of those movies. I'm like, come on. <laughs> like this. I. I don't. I don't like it. But. Um, but uh, it, I only remember really uh, Michael Caine telling everybody like "Good night, you princess of Maine, yeah, yeah. you kings of New England," <laughs> and that's all I really remember. And it's about abortion. It's um, about rape and abortion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. I have nothing to say. Yeah, the movie is so issue forward mm -hmm. that it that it ceases to be entertaining, even if it were an entertaining story, because it's like a mallet. Mm -hmm. hitting you over the head with the message and i think there might have been an entertaining story in here if you dial that back a little bit because you've got talent you got toby oh, yeah. mcguire you got charlie theron you got talent this movie was marketed so weirdly too for what it is because yeah. it was marketed as like almost a romance with like a coming of age mm -hmm. type of thing mm -hmm. and horses and then you watch it and you're like whoa yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you're like oh i thought this was about apple cider yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a little fucked up it yeah. Is. yeah um and then we reach our second uh stephen king adaptation cujo i haven't seen this yeah oh, really no yeah. because when i delivered newspapers as a nine-year-old boy on my bike the dogs used to chase me and bark at me mm -hmm. and it scarred me for years now i'm over it now i like dogs i'm gonna get a dog if your dog were in the room i'd be petting him i'm not <laughs> afraid of dogs anymore but this movie came out in a time where I was afraid of dogs. Mm. And some movies, like, like just their existence becomes part of the scar. Yeah, just like Jaws and well, like swimming in the, in yeah. the ocean, right? Yeah. So I have, I've never had any interest in, because I don't want to re-trigger that, right? It, it, it probably would. I know! I don't want to <laughs> see angry dog killing people. <laughs> and it's a St. Bernard, too, which makes it even scarier. The dog's fucking huge, man. There's some movies that I consider like almost like grandfathered that I've never watched, like I never will watch, probably. But I, I mean, I, I mean, eventually I'll, in, you know, somehow watch Cujo, but, um, but like, you know, wasn't old enough to watch R-rated movies when I was growing up. And then when you finally are old enough to watch movies, it's not like, oh, I need to go back and revisit Cujo. Right. You know? <laughs> so it's not like, there's not like anything that says you need to do this. And uh, so I still haven't seen it. It's not very good. I mean, it's it, it's just a straightforward horror movie. You ever movie. read the book? I did not read the book. It was one of the few Stephen King books mm -hmm. I didn't read. Um, it's 1983. There's not any like recognizable names in the cast or anything like that. Uh, I mean, I'm jumping forward a little bit, but like something like Needful Things, 
mm-hmm. an adaptation of a, a Stephen King novel. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. It's not a great movie. It's Max von Sydow. So uh, <laughs> Max von Sydow. Sydow. Uh, and uh, he like gives it this, this gravitas, and I love the story and stuff like that. Totally forgettable movie other than that. By the way, I, I take issue with you saying nobody is recognizable in Cujo. You have D. Wallace, sir, who was in uh-huh. E.T. Oh, oh, yeah. And you have Danny Pentaro oh. as well from, from one of those shows <laughs> in the 80s. <laughs> Man, I am catching so much shit online for how casually I dismissed that girl from Charmed in the Ocean's Eleven oh, video. That's <laughs> great. Like of all of the li- all the people in that t- table that we make fun of, the Charmed girl is the one I'm getting pushed back most on. Famous, the least most famous. But I'm right. Yes. Even if you love her, she's still the third most famous from that show. No, Danny Pitaro was on Who's the Boss. Ah. Uh, oh, he was playing Danny. Isn't that his his character's uh, name? Could be. I love or when that happens. There's Daniel. a girl on Criminal Ni- Minds. She's uh, the actress is AJ, and her character's name is JJ. Oh, interesting. AJ plays JJ. No, oh. he played he played Jonathan. Oh, is that Jonathan, Jonathan Bauer? Oh. Um, who's the boss? Tony Danza? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I never watched that one. Well, actually, it was Judith Light who was the boss. <laughs> I'm sure. If you, if you remember watching the show, the true boss boss was Mona. Mona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's one mom and dad weren't. Uh, that was not mom and dad approved in our house. Oh, really? Well, yeah. There why. was there was some. Yeah, there was some pretty racy things mm-hmm. in that. Maybe. Yeah, I guess. I was um, I was allowed to watch uh, Alex P. Keaton. Oh, oh yeah. family ties. Because oh, he was Republican. <laughs> <laughs> he was aggressively Republican. Yes, he was. Wow, you missed out on Alyssa Milano back in those days. Oh mm. my God, I wouldn't say I missed out. Yeah, that was. Mm. Yeah, you did. The uh, the the thing uh, the, that was a, one of those weird like moments where uh, just imagine what directors feel like or people who worked with those people are like when they're when they're children and everything, and then they grow up and do like adult stuff, like like uh, Drew Barrymore went and posed for playboy and gave playboy to steven spielberg <laughs> and spielberg was like get that get that out of my face yeah <laughs> seriously why and, would you even do that right and it's then like, you might as well just give it to your dad too. yeah exactly and um and Alyssa milano of course had uh an illustrious career there in the 90s mm-hmm. of softcore and like uh like tony danza was like what the hell are you doing? <laughs> um, but, you know, we're not here to shame people. God no, damn it. No. That's true. That's not what we're here for. Well, we are, just not for that. No, it's just, it. We're, yeah, we're not shaming them. We're just trying to say that it's kind of weird when you're when these adult men are working with children and then they grow up yeah. and do all this weird stuff. Yeah. Then we have uh, Dark Shadows, which we have uh, somewhat talked about already. Because Chloe Grace Moretz was uh, that. That, that movie is awful. Yes, it is. That okay? So you got uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Chloe Grace Moritz, Johnny Depp. Still okay? Yeah, he's he's weird, Johnny Depp now, but mm-hmm. he's still Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of good actors in this. You get and uh, Ava Green is mm-hmm. in that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you have such a massive strikeout? Well, with that, with Tim Burton. He's still got to have some juice left, because right? It was it was too late to catch the vampire wave. Right? That's what they're right, doing. Right, but the story really wasn't about him being a vampire. The story's about the family. At least the, the, the series was. I actually liked the series. The uh, original or the yeah. remake series with Ben Cross? Well, and, and, oh, I never saw the remakes. Well, that was in the 90s. That's my point. Is that this, this, this was just a property that somebody owned, and so 
for, for some reason, this is cheaper or better in Hollywood's eyes to take something we already own well, and redo it. Wasn't mm. Dark Shadows, when it first came out, a soap opera yeah. that came out yeah. every day? I yeah. think so. So yeah. it has like 700 episodes right. or something like that. I was going through, by the way, don't ask why. I was going through Days of Our Lives one time looking for the, like, they have 2,000 episodes. Yeah. I guess so, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> like how, and, and I was, I was looking for a specific one because I was, as, as, as a, as I was a kid, I had to. I was forced to watch Days of Our Lives a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I was. Well, I wasn't forced, but my mom watched General Hospital when I was a kid, so I watched a good few years of that. Yeah, I wasn't mm-hmm. forced. It was more like we had one television. <laughs> it's on there. <laughs> yeah. Either uh, not watch television, and stare at the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or go outside and exercise. <laughs> yeah, come Fuck on. that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, Dark Shadows is terrible. I don't know what went wrong. You're, like Jeremy saying, it's a property somebody owns. Yeah. And let's do it and let's put Tim Burton and and then just make a completely just innocuous ridiculous movie that doesn't have any kind of value whatsoever really it's such a waste yeah. um lots of lots of makeup in that movie mm-hmm. lots of make makeup mm-hmm. department earn their cash on that mm-hmm. yeah uh our third stephen king the dead zone <laughs> that's a good one that's a good christopher that's where christopher walken may have officially become christopher walken yeah did you ever see the dead zone nope okay so the the conceit of the dead zone if i'm rem- remembering this correctly is if he has physical contact with somebody he goes huh yes and he he can he can see like their 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 future or something like that or he can mm. see their backstory or something like yeah, that Yeah, i think it could be both and so christopher walken shortly afterwards did saturday night live and so he was at a dinner party in a sketch and he was just walking around and somebody like came up and they're like hey how you doing there chris and he goes oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he sees like this horrible death so I'm like it's hilarious yeah it's so great all right i read this book it was actually really good yeah uh and uh the movie is good too mm-hmm. uh, christopher walken like i said this is this is walking before he really turns into like like comedy walking but it's it's sort of getting to that point right that, that, that he's you you watch dead zone you're like oh wow he's like a normal person but he still has some of those walkingisms <laughs> or whatever that's in it but yeah dead zone's good um there was also a uh, tv series with anthony michael hall that came it, out i saw a couple of episodes they were i good. heard it was great yeah yeah um then another one dolores claiborne which i have not i'm trying to remember if i i did see this actually I don't remember anything about it. I remember Kathy Bates. Jennifer yeah, Kathy Jason Bates Lee. had a Stephen King face. Yeah, yeah. So far, I've got Kathy Bates and Chloe Grace Moritz on the scorecard as to who's been in the most main movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Both, both at two in my mental right. scorecard. I never saw Dolores Claiborne. Yeah, this was... Did she win for this? She won for Misery. She won for Misery. I don't think anything got... Nothing got nominated for Dolores Claiborne. But yeah, no, I'm, it's, it's good. It's I don't think there's any bit of horror in this. No. I think it's just like a family tale about like Kathy Bates is taking care of this older woman and she dies and there's an investigation. Jennifer Jason Lee is her daughter and they've had a tra- troubled relationship mm. and that kind of thing. But I don't remember there anything. And it's not like a bait and switch thing, like green mile where like all of a sudden supernatural stuff like comes in at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just a straightforward, like family drama. I do remember there's a line that Kathy Bates has where she mentions Shawshank. She says oh. just says something about we'll have to take you to that. Shawshank. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Uh, so they do have some sort of like. But connection. she's got that main accent too. It's like yeah. Shawshank. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you were a, if you were a genre author like with success, how could you resist doing like in universe references like that to your other books? I oh, think he would, does it all the time. I think it would be hard to resist doing. Yes, that. just winking just for the fans. Oh yeah, that happens all the time. Stephen King books like he'll reference. 
in Dark Tower, he'll de- reference the stand. In fact, in this, he references the stand in a lot of different uh, things. Hearts of Atlantis references Dark Tower. A lot of things reference Dark Tower. It's like Tarantino's red apple cigarettes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know his in in universe stuff that pops up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then there's uh, I never saw the Good Son. Uh, that's really yeah. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin yeah. and Elijah Wood. Yeah. yeah, that's the most daring crossover. <laughs> I remember, well, see this is another rated r movie that i wasn't allowed to see uh but i remember going whoa what is he doing what is he doing being in movies that i can't watch you know he's in, like home alone like what is he doing and there's a trailer the trailer he's like holding on to elijah wood from the uh the treehouse or whatever and he's like if i let you go you think you could fly yeah, <laughs> yeah that's so great oh my god I, I gotta see when this came out what year this came out because it was right on the heels of Home Alone 2. 92? 93. 93. Yeah, yeah, it was right on the heels of uh, Home Alone 2. Yeah, and it and it obviously came out either... Okay, so either it came out... when What was the month and everything that it came out? Because at, in 93, obviously at 16, working at a movie theater, I watched all the R-rated movies, but... Now September. Okay, 93. so it may have been a situation where it came out, but we didn't get it, and then yeah. I never watched it yeah. because of it. Oh, um, man, it's great. Is it? Yeah, because you're so used to, when I saw it, it wasn't when it came out, but it was a few years after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I saw it, I hadn't seen Macaulay Culkin in, in anything else besides Home Alone. It was before he did Saved. I don't know what he was doing. Michael Jackson videos and stuff like that between the... Yeah, well, uh, Saved was a long time. Ago. That was like 99 Michael or something. Michael Jackson videos. Yeah, yeah, he was in uh, Black know, and White I and know. stuff. Uh, he couldn't fill years <laughs> doing that. <laughs> But yeah, no, it was such a departure because he's so fucking evil oh, in this, yeah. and he's smiling, and it's just chilling, and it's it's pretty good. I, uh, I enjoyed it. I, it's a it's sort of an interesting thing. I heard, I saw, I heard his um, interview with Mark Maron on uh, the WTF podcast, and uh, he apparently, like, his dad was as, was as bad as we all heard that oh, yeah. he was, and everything. Uh, never physically abusive, I don't think, but like just just a dick in general. But, like, apparently when Macaulay Culkin was on Saturday Night Live, um, he memorized everything. He didn't use cue cards. Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. And and apparently he had, had already had achieved that, like, ability by the time he got on Saturday Night Live. Like, he had, he had done all these, like, just, you know, he had, he memorized his scripts just down to the to the word and knew them when he came on. That wow. Was, that was his thing. So, Saturday Night Live... They gave him all these scripts, and there's like, and he said, and they specifically said no cue cards for him. Huh? And he did it. He. That's awesome. I wish more people would try that. Well, yeah, I was gonna I say because speaking of Christopher Walken uh, on <laughs> SNL, yeah, you might as well just have the cue card person in the frame yeah. with him. Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> it, would, yeah. would, it would make no difference. It would make I wonder, no difference. I wonder how much of those continental uh, uh, sketches. Or either the cue card right at the camera because he's looking right into the camera. Oh, yeah. Or if those are entirely improvised. Well, either way, it's lazy. <laughs> <laughs> it was after the first one. The first one was funny. Yeah, I agree. So The Good Son's a good movie, Yeah, huh? it's fun. It's uh, fun. It's been a while since I've seen it. I don't think it will have aged. But I will admit, I only saw it once on home video, probably around 94, 95 mm. in college. Um, I don't remember liking it. I don't know that that means it's bad, but I just have... I just. Something is compelling me to warn you against watching it mm. because I feel like you're going to watch it thinking this is going to be good and it's not going to have held up very well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, part of I, it was the shock. Because let's be honest, Macaulay Culkin wasn't exactly a great actor at this age. Mm, no. Elijah Wood, pretty good. Mm-hmm. But 
And he would shine in North. Oh, yes. North was the movie that put everyone on the map. Yes. Uh, then there is In the Bedroom, which is a really good movie. Oh, I've seen this. This is one he I was nominated, seen. Tom right? Wilkinson? Yeah, okay. Tell me what this movie's about. Um, a New England's couple, college-aged son, dates an older woman who has two small children and an unwelcome ex-husband. And I remember I remember Marissa Tomei and Oscar Winner Jerry was in this as well. <laughs> Uh, as uh, and uh, Sissy Spacek and Nick Stahl, um, Nick Stahl, yeah. Wow. The main thing that I remember about in the bedroom was I watched it with Jonathan, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and uh, we were in a theater that had it was just us and another person in there, and so there was a point where Tom Wilkinson's like taking his clothes off, <laughs> and he had just done you know I mean, Full Monty was a few years before this, but I turned to Jonathan and I said. You can leave your hat on. <laughs> and he, he had to stifle laughter for the next five minutes. Awesome. He's like, why did you do that? It's like <laughs> the Pez dispenser <laughs> on... Uh... Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I remember... Yeah, it's. I mean, the husband is the problem, and they ha they're trying to figure out what to do with him. And of course, it's a, kind of a dark movie. But hmm. Todd Field um, directed it, and Todd Field is best known to some people, I suppose, as Nick Nightingale in Eyes Wide Shut. Interesting. Yeah, he directed this. Yeah, he wow. directed this, and he also directed in a, uh, Little Children. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I, I mean, it's the movie is uh, seventeen years old. I know that they kill the guy hmm. and the they have to like dispose of the body and all that. That's why that's why Wilkinson gets his clothes off because he's he's got covered in blood and everything. And Ooh. he has to take the clothes off and put it in this thing that they're going to bury and all that. I like um, me some Tom Wilkinson. Yeah, man. Tom Wilkinson's he's great. usually pretty reliable. Yeah. Um, his accent is not always reliable, but he's no. always reliable. 127 credits for Tom Wilkins. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, good movie. Uh, then, then a, a movie that I know is very popular in here, The Iron Giant. Ah! I love this movie so much. Yeah, man. This movie is one of the few movies that actually gave me tears, like real tears. Not like I was a little extra emotional for some reason that day and got a little misty-eyed. This gave me tears, tears, tears. At the end? Yes. Mm hmm Because the first time... You you watch this movie, this movie could end five minutes before it does mm -hmm. and still be totally complete. You mean five minutes before the very end? Yes. Okay. There's a thing. I'm trying not to spoil this yeah, movie, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's like a 20-year-old movie at this point, so yeah. I don't know how careful I should really feel. The yeah, need to I, I, yeah. I think we're fine. He comes back together at the end, and you don't know that the first time you're watching it, mm -hmm. and it feels like the kind of movie that will end with him being dead. And the statue, and he sacrificed mm -hmm. himself for all these people, and it kills me. Killed me. Yeah. It watching me. watching uh, clips of Vin Diesel doing the voice of the Iron Giant is pretty great. Oh, oh yeah. I haven't seen that. Is that on like the DVD extras? I think it is. Uh, I'm not sure if it is or not, but I, I I've seen it before, and just watching him having to like just get down deep and oh. Superman yeah. and all yeah. that. Watching Vin Diesel do that, I imagine as would watching him do the group stuff would yeah, be fun probably too. yeah uh but uh but yeah that's uh man such a great movie and i remember it coming out we were both at hollywood 27 yep. when this came out and just nobody watched it nope it, part of it was it was marketed poorly part of it was this sort of old-timey animation look that they went for intentionally because this is a film that's mm -hmm. set in the past um and i just think it 
maybe there were other animated films that year because i think at this point pixar is becoming a thing yeah the pixar had come in in 95 with toy story and then there was around this time it might have been more after this but it there was the thought that people preferred the 3d computer animation Mm -hmm. over the hand-drawn but it was really more the better movies were going to those to that you know to that particular way of doing it um i mean we saw later on that that hand-drawn could still be a hit like with princess and the frog and all that but um do you think there's still a market for it yeah yeah but i think think it's just that it's too hard to do it now yeah and and there may not who knows it might this might be a, a sobering thought there might not be enough people to do animation like that anymore that's true maybe i don't know you would have to probably i don't know this is all conjecture we're mm-hmm. trying to figure out like if you wanted to do a hand-drawn movie you would probably have to spend more to do it at this point mm-hmm. you have to have tons and tons of animators to yeah. do it but uh yeah man uh i can't can you imagine if the iron giant was a, a computer i mean it I guess it wouldn't change much other than it doesn't have the same authentic feel to yeah, it. Yeah, there's something about it looking like an old school animated film that helps put your mind in that right time frame and mm-hmm. helps sell the, the Cold War to people who didn't live through it like you and me because you know my wife's several years younger than me um, and so she doesn't have a lot of memories of Cold War type stuff. Uh, because she was just just a little too young when all that was ending and the wall was falling and she was in diapers and whatnot. Whereas I remember that vividly. I remember the duck and cover type paranoia and fear. And so, but she still adores this movie and connects mm. to it. And I don't think you have to have grown up in that era. And part of why it pulls you in is that animation style, I think. It's <clears> that <throat> and it's the story because my son loves this movie. Awesome. Um, and to him, it's the same quality of like a Toy Story or something like that because of the relationship that they have the the building of the relationship that is just so cool to see and and so emotional uh to get into and uh, that's why that ending hits you in the gut you know yeah. and i think i think it is timeless i think this is going to this is one of those brad bird gems that it's just going to like persist for years and years and years because you, you can put it in any era going forward and it'll still be resonant yeah. i can i can only hope that somebody with integrity holds the rights to this thing because i could see some half-assed Iron Giant two, oh yeah. In this is it Disney? Age no, it's of, Warner Brothers. It's oh. Warner, but I. It may be the kind of thing where Brad Bird himself may have some ownership to the IP rights. I don't know. I don't know, but it, he shows up in Ready Player One. So, yeah, uh, well, that's I think, true. I guess Warner Brothers still has rights to that. Although a lot of things that are not Warner Brothers shows up in that movie too. So could be one of those well the back to the future cars universal isn't it yeah yeah and so it could be one of those things where like like roger rabbit where they had wb and disney characters all mm-hmm. yeah and they had to have the exact same screen time and all that who knows what they did with that shit <laughs> but i could see them cranking out a heartless iron giant 2 in this current era yep. and uh, it, would, it would make break my heart <laughs> yeah uh following this another stephen king it both yes. the miniseries and the uh movie that came out last year this movie, the the one that came out last year, just I I, I adore it. Mm-hmm. It's it's so fantastic. I'm saying the word it a lot, which yeah. is like the knights who say no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, it's so I, like every time I've watched this movie probably four times now, mm-hmm. and, including for sin's purposes. Yeah. And 
I love it the same amount every time. Mm-hmm. I, I walked out of the theater saying, that's good. Could have been a little bit shorter at some points, but man, it hits me. It's just one of those, I, I, I don't know how much you can actually mess this up. Uh, the 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 book on which this is based is so strong mm-hmm. that this you know the story itself. I mean, you can't really mess this up unless you just change a whole bunch of things. Exactly, and that's why I'm I'm fucking pumped for uh, part two because mm-hmm. they've got Bill Hader and Jessica Chastain and like all these amazing yeah. uh, actors. This cast and Muschietti is is fantastic as as a director, and just man, he he really captured the kids part of this in the, in the first chapter there. And hopefully he can carry that on because he's got such a, a strong cast around him in the next one. The yeah, mini series is not bad either. I mean, that's, it's dated now, right. uh, but it sure scared the fuck out of me when well, I was a kid. exactly. Right. I mean, uh, I was 12, 13 or something when this came out as a mini series. Um, and it was the talk of freaking where I was at middle school, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you thought maybe possibly that would be a who's who of like acting talent that would be coming out of that, but Jonathan Brandis had sort of a tragic, uh, tragic mm-hmm. uh, life, and uh, who else was in that? Like the the adult actors, you've seen them before. Like there's a lot of there's a the one of the John Redder's in it. I was right? gonna say John John Redder John Redder's in it, but then there's a uh, the guy who plays uh, Richard Thomas is the guy who played Bill Denbro, and he's been in a ton. Oh. Of- yeah he's, he's been in a ton of stuff you've seen him all over the place yeah he's in 130 he's got 113 credits yeah uh but you when you when you see him you're not going to immediately think oh he was an it no. or anything because yeah. he because he kind of like you know uh seems to be sort of a chameleon or whatever but harry anderson was in oh that's right was, yeah, in yeah. The, uh, was in that original um but yeah a lot of these a lot of the adult actors you're like you you've seen them they're character actors from a whole bunch of stuff but the kid actors none of them really yeah Although what, Seth Green? Seth Green was uh, Richie. Was he really? Yeah, I didn't know that. I had no idea. Yeah. it's been forever since I've seen this. Well, uh, I mean, at this point, I almost kind of want to watch it again. Yeah, to see exactly how dated it is and how much of it, because th- there has to be something beyond just the character design for Pennywise that scared me. Mm-hmm. Right? It can't just be. Well, no, Tim Curry was terrifying. Yeah uh the the there's there's a the scene it's in the movie too but i think they did it in a different way in the miniseries that killed them all kill them all yeah, yeah. all that was a, i remember it being scarier in the miniseries but i haven't seen the miniseries in forever yeah. so uh but uh they do that in the movie too because there's the the they're watching that tv program and yeah Pennywise shows up on it or whatever but yeah i had a, a bit of an issue with that and especially stephen king's reliance on the secondary villain uh, the human version yeah, of the yeah, villain yeah. that gets driven to kill. And it provides extra tension and everything, but I don't know if it's always necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we love us some it here. Then there is Lake Placid. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm about to give you a sermon. Okay. On how great this movie is. Yes, go for it. No, I'm not. It's awesome. Are you going to do the, like, people hate Lake Placid. Here's why they are wrong. Yeah, it's the greatest you know, movie I you've actually ever think seen. it has a pretty good reputation. I don't know. IMDb, I think, has it at five something, whatever. But it's I got a dis- cult reputation. I we, disagree. We need more movies like Lake Placid. Yeah. What makes it so good? It's been a while since I've because seen it. Because it is, it, is, it is a mix of humor that really works, mostly between Oliver Platt and... Um, 
old guy. I'm forgetting his name from In Bruges. Gleason, Brendan Gleason, Brendan Gleason. Mm. Um, the humor, but but then it doesn't it doesn't Sharknado the action. Mm. Oh, okay. So the 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 crocodile is a genuine. It looks real, even though it's too big to be real. Uh, it's actually eating people and trying to kill more people. That there's actual tension there in some of the action sequences but when the tension is not there it's fucking hilarious huh. yeah because uh, oliver platt and gleason just hate each other so much uh and a lot of the humor is deadpan this is david e kelly one of the oh, yeah. first movies he directed if not one of the only he ones he directed and his shows have well, often... he didn't direct it he wrote it steve oh. steve minor who was a big horror director guy did it well but... then they, maybe that's why it works because we get david e, e kelly's humor and writing and the mm. characters but we have a, a director with some, a horror background Oh, that's interesting um and yeah i don't know if he's written too many more movies since then but even his shows have always blended humor with drama or mm -hmm. you know extreme environments or what have i fucking love this movie. <laughs> sort of uh going along the lines of this being a cult hit is that it's had five sequels yep. yeah yeah i mean five kind of like wrong turn yeah yeah and they're all every bit as bad as the wrong turn sequels <laughs> have you seen them i've seen two of them oh you've seen two of the lake placid <laughs> i like lake placid just enough because because see here's the okay it's similar to tremors which is a comic yeah horror action mm -hmm. film uh tremors is a lot of fun mm-hmm couple of the sequels almost as much fun mm -hmm. they're not all shit mm -hmm. uh and so that's why I, that's why i watched the wrong turn sequels that's why i watched a couple of these lake placid because mm -hmm. one of them might you might catch that kind of campy twist on it that's just gold Plus, for some reason these t those type of movies always seem to catch an actor or an actress that's going to be like big later on yeah. and and you're like oh you were in that yeah. like you know it's one of those like you know texas chainsaw massacre uh, movies had matthew mcconaughey and renee zellweger yeah. in it before yeah. they were big yeah. and uh, oh, i'm sure somebody in one of these lake blasted sequels is a huge star now. yeah probably so. <laughs> it's um, like uh, george clooney in uh, return of the killer tomatoes oh yeah yeah oh yeah would you buy oliver platt as a ladies man that women are actually attracted to mm. in the 90s constantly? in the 90s yeah i could go because you watch this movie and you will buy it yeah you will believe it <laughs> wow. he just oozes you're gonna fuck me and i know it <laughs> and one of the girls does one yeah. of the redhead girls hey, does yeah, right. uh Good it's great man it's short get in get out laugh some betty white yeah. move on with your life betty white <laughs> saying cocksuckers yeah that's, that's isn't she like feeding cows to the alligator yeah. or something she's like that definitely yeah. feeding and she's letting the baby alligators nibble on her toes oh really at the very end yeah the oh. stinger is that that there are more mm. interesting yeah and that's I don't even think it's that surprise. I'm not like spoiling it. Yeah, not don't spoil it. You're not watching this movie because you you, you, you want to stay unspoiled as to whether or not the, the croc lives. I have to put that no spoilers transition. But in there's between. this. There's they actually he attacks them and they have a plan and it goes to shit. But the alligator ends up caught in the middle of a helicopter. Mm -hmm. And like there's that great line with Brendan Gleeson has where he's like, "Yeah, we trapped it with our chopper." <laughs> <laughs> anyway i wholeheartedly endorse this movie yeah i do too i haven't seen it in forever but i remember having a really good an unexpected great time yeah. with it yeah i um, might i might watch it tonight then there is the mist this movie ah. uh polarizes a lot of people let me I ask you this i don't know why okay if they didn't have that ending would this be just a stock regular horror movie that nobody ever talked about yes or is it really good up until then I don't know. It's decent up until then. Right. I think Marsha Gay Harden threatens to derail this movie every time she's on screen. And yeah. I love her. 
but her character is too extreme and and that subplot it doesn't work for me in this movie at all uh I do think it, it works a little bit in the sense that they don't know what's out there, but they know they can't go out, and then they try to go out, and they tie the thing around the guy, and the, I think something would work there, but the ending is what makes it. Now, yeah. I've never read the book, and I think the ending is different. I don't it, Well, the yes, book. the ending is different. And that's um, why the movie ending The ending of the, the mist that Stephen King wrote uh, was ambiguous, I believe. Like, huh. it, was, oh. it was sort of... And I don't, I don't think they say one way or the other what happens to the heroes at the end. Um, this one obviously has has opinions on that. It's got it's, fucking balls. It's it got has some balls serious of balls. Steel. And uh, and it's worth watching the movie for it. Yes, I think. Yes. Uh, is this now? And I haven't seen it in forever. It's either it's either known for having great effects or terrible effects. I'm pretty sure terrible. It's terrible. I watched it. Within the last two months, mm -hmm. I watched off and on while it was on. And the, the purple whatever thing, alien creatures, they, they never look convincing to me mm -hmm. even one time yeah. in the entire movie. Which is funny because it's obfuscated with all this these effects and fog well, that's and the stuff thing, like that. that. They, yeah. they must have gone into it thinking, we don't need an effects budget. <laughs> yeah. And then it came time to sh for the three or four moments where they showed it. And they're like, shit, we got to use MS Paint. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is. I just. I. I think overall, like the ending does make this movie. It it's, really does. It's it. Even though maybe everything leading up to it may not be the most exciting thing ever. I think it's fine though. It's totally fine. Yeah. And then the ending sort of just sells it. And if and if you're the type that can't take those type of endings, then my mouth just drops. Yeah, me too. I mean, the first time you watch it, there's. I don't think there's any way you could actually think they're going to do what they do. Yeah. Well, twice. My mouth dropped twice. Well, yeah. Twice when he did what he did, and I was like, holy fuck. And then when the next thing happens, you're like, fuck! Yeah. Yeah. No it's way. brutal. It's yeah. absolutely brutal. <laughs> um, this was, uh, there's a, just a long line of, like, I don't know how Frank Darabont got into this whole, like, I'm going to do every Stephen King adaptation. He should do all of them. He should, yeah. Um, but this was the third one he had done, I mm -hmm. believe. Uh, he had done Green Mile and Shawshank, obviously, but... Um, but uh and all three of them are yeah. well worth watching obviously yeah um needful things i have not seen needful things oh it's good it's, this is it's, the max von cito movie yeah it's just like an insular uh town some town in maine mm -hmm. and uh this guy this old guy mysterious old guy opens up a shop and it happens to have the exact thing that you were looking for if you come in mm -hmm. and he starts to you know, ingratiate himself more and people become in his debt and things like that. And it's just it's just a creepy story uh, where it's just set in one town and the internal politics like turn against each other and the people that knew each other and grew up with each other, you know, they all start interacting in weird ways when new stuff is introduced. It's just it's it's good. I just remember the trailer where J.T. Walsh, I believe he's in the rain and he's on the phone and he's like, I just killed my wife. Is that wrong? <laughs> and then I don't know if this is how it cuts in the movie, but it cuts to Max von Cito and he's like, hey, these things happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got that terrifically creepy smile. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a great movie, but it's just one of those Stephen King stories that I really like. This is, I've always I, I've never read a single Stephen King book. Please don't be angry. <laughs> I'm, it's kind of like motherfucker it's kind of like i was talking to the listeners not mm -hmm. you um <laughs> it's kind of like uh the horror genre in movies for me in general like I, I i don't find myself seeking out things that are intended to scare me mm. um i don't know why anyway there are two types of stephen king movies 
movies based on books that I've heard about that are part of the general conversation in life mm. and movies based on Stephen King books I'd never heard of before that only Stephen King fans are probably going to go watch. Needful Things falls into that latter category. Yeah, yeah. that's probably exactly right. And, and when is there ever going to be a, a dark half movie, by the way? God damn it. <laughs> I want that dark half movie. Yeah, it's a terrible book. Yeah, uh, I've never uh, heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how I ended up reading the dark half. I was I, I think it was in the middle of I think it was in the middle of a Stephen King binge yeah. at that point. Um, His worst books are still entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever read a book where I haven't made it all the way to the end or like I wasn't, you know, engaged at least. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but I understand. Uh then the parent trap is that uh, both the original yep. and the remake? Yep. See that now that falls into the first category of Stephen King books that everyone's heard of. <laughs> right. The parent the trap. Parent trap. <laughs> it's a deadly trap that gets parents inside you know that is definitely something that stephen king would write about uh, uh parent uh, trap is uh, this is on the, the setup of parent trap i kind of would love to see stephen king's take on that I would scenario too. <laughs> where like they switch places but maybe they also start killing yeah <laughs> and they have somehow they incorporate the shining twins in this too be awesome. uh, you know what i'm looking at it i think it's just the remake the the Lindsay lohan version the Lindsay is lohan. The one in maine and I think that's where they meet is in a camp in Maine. Mm-hmm. And like mom's in London and dad's in somewhere else. And then they conspire. The bulk of the movie is not in Maine is what you're saying? Uh, a good part of it is because they go back to the camp. Now, they is just, this Lindsay Lohan's first big role? Yes. I think it might be her first big one. Yeah. First, it's before Herbie and all that stuff. This made, yeah, Herbie, she was. She was. Yeah. Herbie Having was, adolescence. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. She was having it. I, when she made Herbie, she was a woman. <laughs> when she made Parent Trap, she was a child. They're not even remotely close to each other. There's a whole bunch of movies in between there. Um, I can't remember if she had some sort of like Nickelodeon type career before, or or Disney career before. No, this was her first. This was her first anything, really. Wow! Yeah. Like, but you can tell. My wife loves this movie, so I've seen it a few times mm-hmm. you can tell she's got star power when you watch yeah this yeah um she was on uh another world for four episodes mm. in 1997 and she was also on a late night with david letterman episode where she was a trick-or-treater dressed as garbage <laughs> this was in 1992 she would have crazy been six. kept records about that kind of thing yeah she was six at the, i'm sure that her mom made sure that that was in the credits yes probably she should have stopped there yeah um <laughs> But yeah, she yeah that was a star making performance on the Parent Trap. But then she didn't do anything until uh, two thousand three with Freaky Friday. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Another remake. And um, by then she was already a teenager. So it's interesting. What do you think she was doing for the five years in between? I I don't know. It looked like uh, she did a whole bunch of like TV type stuff. She was on uh, the Wonderful World of Disney for one episode. She was on uh, some TV series called Betty for one episode. So I guess she just spent a few years calling casting directors going, do you know who the fuck I am? I was yeah. in Parrot Trap. <laughs> and then she she did something called Get a Clue. It was a TV movie. And then Freaky Friday. Wow, that's weird. That is weird. Freaky Friday is what really pushed her to uh, star status. I agree. Uh, because then after that, she was in everything. And, you know, like all the trailers were like, Lindsay Lohan, yeah. you know. Um then there is Pet Cemetery. Yeah. I will never forget. I will never know to this day how I got to watch this movie in school. What? In middle school. That's fucked up. What? Of course, wow. I just read a headline the other day about a teacher getting in trouble for like feeding turtles to oh, something. Or... This was sanctioned. 
um the 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 so it came up it was the halloween was coming up and um and so they we wanted to see a horror movie or whatever for halloween and of course some of the dumbass kids had already seen pet cemetery <laughs> Like, you know, probably when they were like nine years old or whatever. And, uh, and so like, you know, the teachers were obviously like, uh, I don't think we'll be able to do that. And somebody, I think the reason we were able to get away with it was that there was somebody mentioned that there was only one curse word in it. Ah. Cause there's a part where he says, where the, the guy's like, get the fuck off me. You, you hairball or something. Cause there's a cat. Uh-huh. And, um, and that's it. And there's violence, obviously, but who cares about violence? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, that's how I saw Pet Sensei. That's wow. fucked up, man. Yeah, yeah. Is it any good? Um, No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think I've seen it. The story about how he got to see it is better than the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, I'm sure it ruled when no, you're watching okay. it in fucking I mean, middle school. It's okay. I mean, yeah, Fred Gwynn in there. Like, oh, you, yeah. You have to have give Fred Gwynn a, a role every, every now and then. Love me some Fred Gwynn. Yeah, man. Um, and it, I, I may even know it more for the Ramones, uh, song that came with it. Oh yeah. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. Um, I don't want to live my life again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's got a 6.6 on, uh, IMDb, but yeah, it, it's, 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 you know, it's your, it's your typical 80 Stephen King horror yeah. adaptation. Yeah. Um, then Pete's Dragon. I know that's Jeremy's favorite. <laughs> oh my god! It, original and remake. Why is this? Uh, no, the original is the just only the one original. Why is this movie so? I didn't watch it when uh, we were doing the. the then you shouldn't finish the question. <laughs> Did you get so angry? Have you? You just said you didn't watch it. No, I guess not. What I, about this movie makes you so angry, though? I will pay you money for you to sit beyond your normal work duties. I'll pay you extra money for you to sit and write sins to this movie you have to watch it beginning to end and write sins and if you don't get angry <laughs> we'll have this conversation mm. interesting I, we didn't see it none of, none no of this was saw. jeremy with other writers on <laughs> pete's dragon so you were on an island. and uh this was the i think this was one of the first times you introduced a chris yelling at chris yelling at chris <laughs> thing yeah uh keep in mind I don't realize how shitty Pete's Dragon no, is. No, I know. I know. It's not like I didn't do this to punish you or anything. No, but uh, I, I still had to vent about it. Um, it's got some kind of... Oh, I, don't even, I don't even want to put it into words. <laughs> and I'm not into some sort of fury. I'm not you. trying to be a dick. <laughs> like, I don't legitimately want you guys to have to have that experience. Because my anger in that script is like almost as genuine as any anger in any sins video we've ever done like i was legitimately hating that movie um and i think it's just because it was throughout my childhood i never saw it until we did the sins video but it has always been lumped in with all these other family films bed knobs and broomsticks Mm -hmm. and chitty chitty bang bang and all this stuff that and most of those i had seen and it's this cherished thing for a lot of like 80s kids and then I get to put it in and write sins for it, and it's like... It's a slog, right? It's I would like... rather watch the Emoji Movie than that. Wow. Wow. I would rather watch Trolls 2 than that. It's as bad as Trolls 2, <laughs> only it had Disney money. <laughs> wow. Well, I guess... See, see, we're going to have to differentiate. It's Troll 2. Troll 2. Sorry. Because, oh, yeah, because, because there will be a there, Trolls 2. I'm sure two. there will be a Trolls yeah. 2 with Justin Timberlake and <laughs> yeah. Anna, Anna Kendrick. You're right. Actually, 
that is important. To yeah. Note. <laughs> uh, uh, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> shitty movie. I, I I remember watching the video, going, "Yeah, this looks pretty shitty." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It's oh no! So bad. <laughs> I, didn't oh, realize, I didn't realize it was that bad. Um. Then we have the Shawshank Redemption. There oh, it is. That's the stuff. So good. So good. It's the stuff. It's the anti-Pete's Dragon. It, it is. really is. So yes, it was filmed in Ohio, famously filmed in Ohio. I think the tree uh, was just taken down recently in Ohio, but it's set in Maine, Shawshank mm-hmm. Prison, as referred to in multiple Stephen King uh, books and adaptations yeah. is in Maine. And uh, Nashville, Nashville's prison was in the running for this movie. It would have been awesome. We've had our yeah. shots, though. Yeah, we, we ended up getting Green Mile later. but And The Last Castle. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, uh, the Shawshank Redemption, what is there that we can say that we haven't said about the Shawshank Redemption at this point? Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't said that. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's, that's crazy. I think um, a man feels more like a man if he's got a bottle of suds in his hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got nothing to say. This yeah. movie's, this movie's my favorite movie of maybe ever. It's well, the, not my favorite. It's probably the best movie ever made. It's in the running, isn't it? Well, it's definitely number one on the IMDb fan voting. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, a, I mean, over time, that's become a pretty respectable list. It's not like they've got Fast and Furious 4 on right. there somewhere. It's got it's up there with Casablanca and The Godfather and all these respected. And I think it's that good. And again, it didn't make hardly any money no. when it came no. out, right? No. It, it didn't. Was, um, that was the main thing that I took away from it when I was working in a movie theater was was like, this is a good movie that nobody's watching. Mm-hmm. And it, it got nominated, and I think it got a boost. This was back in the day when nominations actually boosted uh, your your uh, ticket sales. I think it got a boost from that. But uh, did they ever tell you about the, that story? May have been holding it, holding it back for a theater story or whatever. But uh, it's not a long one. It's just that somebody we got it. We got Shawshank Redemption a second time that year because of Oscars, mm-hmm. I believe. And um, whoever built the movie built two of the reels upside down no that's always fun hmm. and so like uh it was running and the first time it happened is it like oh crap i think it was i think it was just soundtracks were, were mismatched mm-hmm. so they had to just flip it but then it was actually they put the foot of the movie the next time it happened the actual foot of the reel came in first so things were going backwards <laughs> oh, nice. um and uh and so like the second time this happened now I was at a theater that was not very secure, by the way. Like the <laughs> the the uh, projection booth had doors that were just constantly open. Like, I oh mean, yeah, if you wanted to, if you were that type of person, you could just go in and walk up the steps and mm. see projection booth people if you wanted to, or mess with the movies or whatever. Jesus. Um, this second thing happened, and then uh, just a crowd of people came upstairs oh to, they came up all really yeah oh, to, oh and I, now i was not a projectionist at this point i was just a lowly usher but uh the guy who was fixing it and he was not responsible for this the movie being the way it was uh, that's always fun too this is this is in the time where this theater was was had lost business to a new theater that had come in just two years prior and uh and so like there were people who were like this is why you're losing business to that to that theater and all that and everything even though they was the same company <laughs> and uh and all that and, and and the guy who was fixing it was like it's like i'm gonna give you refund passes and your money back and you can go home <laughs> <laughs> there you go there you go <laughs> 
<laughs> he was not one to sit there and like talk to customers, especially ones who had bum rushed the projection. That was crazy. Man. Um, awesome. By the way, I read the other day they're going to gender swap Shawshank with Whoopi Goldberg and um, never mind. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I've tweeted the other day that I can't tell the joke headlines from the real headlines anymore. Uh-huh. And that's just never been more true. Yeah. Like, I don't even have the heart to finish jokes like that anymore because they're, they're going to do something like that. Yeah. They're going to do like a Shawshank Universe spinoff. Might be Sandra Bullock. They might do, the they're they're going to take Shawshank Redemption and turn it into a long form series on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because you definitely want to watch that. Like, I really do feel bad for anyone who's got talent and is out in hollywood trying to become a screenwriter with original ideas Mm -hmm. because it's got to be next to impossible to even get in the door sorry mini rant over (laughs) move on main then there's main me the uh the uninvited which is a movie i've seen god i don't remember anything about it Mm. emily emily browning uh ariel kebel kebel ariel kebel kebel Kebel. I, I don't know. know. Uh, and Elizabeth Banks are all in David Strathairn is in this. David Strathairn, yeah. yeah. And um, is it is it is it Emily Browning's character that is seeing her dead mother? Well, yeah, that that's ultimately what it is. Um, it's, oh, it's that's, a, the, that's a surprise? That's the twist, yeah. Oh, okay. It's Spoiler a, alert! It's oh, a well. psychological thriller. It was like what we were talking about with that Gwyneth Paltrow, Jessica Lange. <laughs> I can just imagine... Hush! I can just imagine a person is like, I'm listening to the podcast, I've got my uninvited DVD, <laughs> I'm popping it in. <laughs> God damn it, Chris! <laughs> you motherfuckers! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yes um, i mean how they get there is fine it's like uh, it's an interesting story it's yeah. not that great of a movie but. yeah it's one well, it's got one of those like generic titles when when i saw the uninvited i was like oh is that 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 one movie with yeah. uh you know i was thinking of <laughs> some, other, movie some other movie that has un in it that was like what was that one called Oh, I thought you were just making a joke that it was generic enough it could literally be anything. Like, you um, could call that Nicole Kidman ghost movie The Uninvited. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. The Hours? Yeah. yeah. Not no, the no, hours. not The Hours. <laughs> <laughs> it proves your fucking point! How many ghost movies has Nicole Kidman been That wasn't a ghost movie. That was it Virginia It came out Wolf. the same year The Unborn was oh, another movie that came right. out ah. uh, that has, had uh, uh, Odette Eustman from Cloverfield in it. Oh. Um, what was that Nicole Kidman movie? The 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 Others. Yeah, The Others. Yeah, yeah. I, I voted it best the of others, the year. The Others, The Others, The Others. I know. She, yeah. keeps, she keeps doing that. The she Hours, The guy. Others. <laughs> Moulin Rouge. They're all the same. <laughs> Australia. Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M 
Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Uh, then the weight of water, which I know I have heard of before, but I don't know what it is. This is uh, Sean Penn, uh, who's getting super interested in Elizabeth Hurley, mm-hmm. uh, who's... So Sean Penn is married. I think he wrote or directed this or something like that. Catherine Bigelow directed it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, And he's with his wife. They go out boating all the time. The only thing I remember about this movie is that Elizabeth Hurley is very blatantly uh, sunbathing topless Mm -hmm. in a a ruse to uh, seduce Sean Penn's character in front of his wife. Oh. This is not a very good movie from what I remember, which is weird because I like Catherine Bigelow. Do we ever figure out what the weight or the shape of water is in either of these movies? You know what it is? Because it's so it's so amorphous. I think it's a play on the concept of water in that it does not shape or form or weigh anything. You just blew my mind. Have you guys seen that Bumblebee trailer? I have not. Looks okay. Okay, move along. Is it is it good? Looks pretty good. Yeah, no, but, but a lot of people are saying "Shape of Water," ma- uh, making jokes that there's because she's a girl. Kind of a couple times hints like they they're forming a relationship that may not just not they're gonna they're not she's not gonna fuck the robot bear. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying there are a couple of shots in the in the trailer <laughs> that mirror shots from Shape of Water, and it's mm. a girl forming a relationship with a non-human entity. She's not going to fuck the car. But the trailer, now now that I've said it looks pretty good, you're going to watch it and think it looks pretty generic. I, but I mean, it, the expectations, I'm sure, were low going into well, it. Well, that's what Jonathan said on Twitter. Part of the problem is that I, I didn't have any expectations for it, and I didn't, but it feels like the kind of movie they should have made the first time out. That's what I hear. That's and what I, hear. Uh, I'm, 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 I should have had more, more robot fucking in the original trailer. I mean, who's to say they won't go that direction eventually? <laughs> Work for Guillermo del Toro. Once they, once they once they fully establish the Transformers cinematic universe, yeah. they can hire like our tour directors <laughs> to come in and take them in extreme directions. So yes. they could have like a sex Transformers movie, and they could have like a heist Transformers movie. Mm-hmm. They could do what the MCU is doing. Definitely, only the MCU hasn't done the sex movie yet. <laughs> you realize? I mean, the only reason they haven't is because even though that movie should make all the money, everyone would be too ashamed to buy tickets in public for it. Yeah. Mm, I wouldn't. I'd get in there, right? Yeah, I wouldn't. Like Captain Scarlet America, Witch and Vision. Captain yeah. America orgy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Captain America colon orgy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I would be like, uh, you, colon. It's like Civil like, War meets Caligula. Yeah, exactly. You would be like, like, uh, give me two tickets to that orgy movie. <laughs> I remember when we had that menage a trois movie that came to hollywood oh, it was just called trois it was oh it was called trois yeah. but people kept asking for tickets to troyce yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that bit man box office is a hilarious like the way people ask for movies a lot of times most people get the movie right you know right but then there's always people who like either mis- mispronounce or they'll like they'll like uh confuse two movies for one. I remember um when the movie uh The Last Mimsy and huh. then there was the and Meet the Robinsons. Uh-huh. Those two movies were out at the same time. This woman came up with her kid and she goes, "That's like uh the adult and a child for Meet the Mimsy." <laughs> and uh and you actually had to sit there and go, "Hang on. Which one?" <laughs> Which one? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my god. Um that brings us to of course Welcome to Mooseport. Oh boy. Is this a terrible terrible movie? No. Yeah. Oh. It's just one terrible. One terrible. You you're not wrong. It's that's not good. It's bad. Uh-huh. But I don't think it's like as bad as its reputation. That's all I was trying to say. Yeah, I mean, it, this is the long-awaited team-up of Gene Hackman and Ray Romano. Yeah. Yes, we were all clamoring for yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, some sort of, I remember it being some sort of political comedy Oh yeah, thing. you don't know much about it? I saw it. I, I don't saw remember it. anything about it. I saw most of it probably six months ago. Huh. Really? Uh, maybe this needs to be said. I feel like it kind of goes without saying. My TV is always on in my in my quote unquote office. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm paying attention to it. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm half paying attention to work and half paying attention to the TV. Mm -hmm. But the TV is always on, yeah. and I'm I've always flipped to something that I might enjoy or haven't seen in a while when I do want to turn away from my computer screen to look at the TV. So I have seen most of Welcome to Mooseport in the last six months. Uh, he's a former president. Gene Hackman is mm -hmm. former president of the United States mm. who's retiring to this tiny little town and decides to run against Ray Romano for like mayor or I think it's mayor. Uh, but because he's a former president, there's a media storm and Ray Romano's dating more Tierney and Gene Hackman starts asking her out. Yeah. She's been waiting for Ray Romano to pop the question and she's tired of waiting. So she's kind of interested <laughs> And it's just it's it it's the kind of movie Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau would have hit out of the park mm -hmm. uh, back in their heyday. Would have been a My Fellow Americans too, yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah, but uh, it just it doesn't really work. Mm -hmm. um, it's not that anybody's bad in it, but it is kind of like an extended Everybody Loves Raymond episode mm. in terms of the the tone and the humor. Um, and so you know it's 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 fairly harmless. I don't think it's going to offend anybody with its quality. Yeah, but, it mm. offended Gene Hackman enough not to work for fourteen years <laughs> I guess. and counting. I guess. Um, He's like, I still think there's something going on there. We haven't been told. Like somebody's got naked pictures of him or something. <laughs> don't you ever make another movie again, Gene? Yeah, yeah. Your dong will be exposed. <laughs> I know he's upset. He'd be uh, very upset about that. I mean, because he's, it's not like every movie he made before Welcome to Mooseport was a home run. Well, no. And there was a time there where you could count on Gene Hackman being in like five movies in a year sometimes. He was uh, in 2001 alone, by the way, behind Enemy Lines, The Royal Tannenbaums, Heist, Heartbreakers, The Mexican. All wow. five he was in those. And there was a point where he was just like, just in a, yeah, I don't think he was in it very long. No, he's the at the very end yeah uh but there was a time there you could count on him being in three four movies a lot of, of varying quality like heist and royal tenenbaums yeah, versus yeah. heartbreak <laughs> totally yeah. um all right and that brings us to our last one in maine wet hot american summer oh yeah. that's a good one yeah that's very funny i've seen this a couple of times now and i've seen the two netflix series just once but um but i really like this i like david wayne stuff yeah that's um, just that that hits me right in the gut yeah what and, else has he done um well uh role models is the oh is okay the, and and then he was one of the big guys that was uh one of the i guess he was one of the creators behind uh the state that oh was yeah on okay mm -hmm. and, everything. Oh, the, and, and that's sort of a tree because you've got uh thomas lennon and um, michael showalter michael showalter michael, yeah. michael ian black yeah michael ian black a lot of those guys came from from that the state and everything um 
but uh, yeah, David Wayne, and he's he's done some other stuff that I didn't, I haven't liked. Like uh, what was that movie with uh, Jennifer Aniston and Paul Rudd? Wanderlust. Wanderlust. Yeah. I didn't like that very. But you much. liked a futile and stupid gesture, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I don't like that quite a bit. And uh, there's something about him. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't know how to classify his comedic style, but it's halfway between like, you know, goofy jokes. And I don't know, there's some good heart to it as yeah. well. And then there's deadpan, and then there's absurdism. Yeah, and he, there's that he sequence. mixes it up. Yeah, there's this sequence in Wet Hot American Summer where they're like, I'm going into town, you know, like, give me some tampons, give me some pens, give me this and yeah. everything. And then they roll in, and they immediately start drinking, and then they start smoking some weed, and then they start doing blow, and then they're fucking shooting yeah. up. In the, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. they go back, and they're like, man, that was a long afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and, that's great. And stuff like where Michael Showalter character is uh, really in love with the the one of the girls there, and he's like, they're, and they're I think they've struck up a friendship. It's like the first the they've been at camp all summer, and this is the first day that they're yeah. they're friends or whatever. Yeah. But but uh, he wants to be with her and everything, and she starts walking off. It's Marguerite Moreau's character. Uh, and uh and he goes i want you inside me <laughs> and, and she goes what and he goes oh good good luck good summer <laughs> great um but yeah just uh man that that movie is just that I, I don't know if it even has a high imdb rating but i think people who really get into wet hot american summer rate that extremely high like yeah. one of the best comedies they've ever seen an amazing ensemble david hyde pierce yeah chris maloney janine garofalo h john benjamin yeah uh as the voice of a can of yeah, beans exactly <laughs> like an elizabeth banks and like this amy poehler bradley cooper yeah uh it's it's insane the level of and it's funny that michael showalter is the main character yeah yeah part. yeah uh but yeah it's it's amazing you should check it out if you haven't checked it out I'm not a huge fan of the stuff that came later on the series and yeah, then the, the ten years later the, thing. The, the the series are 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 okay. I I liked the first one that was the that was it was the before the prequel one. The yeah, prequel yeah, yeah. one was fine. the The ten years later one was a little bit maybe too goofy for me because because they go through all this nonsense. And then by the end of it, they just acknowledge that it's nonsense and yeah. and just go with it. And I'm yeah. like, sorry, can't. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, really good one to to end this on. End our main yeah, discussion. Man. Although there are a few others here that you've written down. Uh, Bag of Bones, I've never seen that. Another Stephen King. Uh, Bluebird, never seen that. I've seen the first Creep Show. I've never seen Creep Show two. Um, it's even creepier wait a minute you there is a dark there half? is a dark half why yes. didn't you tell me i didn't realize because i was looking up here and it was down here uh, okay yeah. so there was a dark half yes. that just goes to show yeah <laughs> exactly uh dream catcher which uh i have seen yeah. is that the one with anthony hopkins mm, uh, no that's hard Raven. to get that's yeah. right uh Wahlberg. yeah ah, any good uh damian lewis is damian in lewis is in it yeah um it's like it's just good enough to keep you watching. It's average. Mm. Just it's, good enough to disappoint you. It's, mm. I think I've talked about it before. It had the uh, animatrix oh, that's uh, right. yeah. opening on it, and that uh, people would come out and say, you know, this is not the movie I paid for, even though it's Dreamcatcher. Who who actually paid for it? Um, <laughs> then there was Empire Falls, which don't think I've seen Empire Falls. 
graveyard shift i have seen this i saw this at the old bellevue theater before oh, yeah? before it became a 12 or 10 plex whatever Carmike was and, mm-hmm. uh, when it was a three plex oh. actually uh not a very good movie another mm. stephen king adaptation um hope springs i never saw that um it's not hope floats though <laughs> I still, no hope floats. I still might. I might. I might have seen this. Not oh, yeah? that you should look it up to tell me who's in it. Look it up. Tell me who's in it. 2012. <laughs> uh, Vanessa Taylor, written by Meryl Streep, Tommy Lee Jones, Steve Carell. And what's the name of it again? Hope Springs. Yeah, I've never seen it. Uh, the Langoliers, which is a Another book that Stephen I always King. heard about. I never read it. I've never seen this. It was it a miniseries. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're making it again. Are they really? I'm almost positive this is one of those that's in development. And it's somebody, I think it's like somebody up and coming who's like kind of spearheading it. Uh, you have Poison Ivy, but then you write the Michael J. Fox version? Yes, apparently there is a Michael J. Fox I've Poison seen, Ivy. I've seen the other Poison yes, Ivy. Yes, I have too. Yeah. Um, There's a Michael J. Fox Poison Ivy? Yes. It aired, uh, it was a uh, made-for-TV movie that aired right before Back to the Future came out in 1985. Really? Yes. Well, now I want to watch that. Huh. <laughs> what could it possibly be? It's not about what the other Poison Ivy movies <laughs> no. are about. No. At least I doubt it. Uh, he's a camp counselor in a boys' summer camp. Never mind. Then there's Salem's Lot, which I've never read or seen. I cannot I grow old even in know what Salem's that... Lot. <laughs> well, here we go. It's my shot. Feet fail me not. This may be the only opportunity that I got. <laughs> That's all we know about Salem's Lot, uh, is that Salem... Eminem referred to it. Salem's Lot was the vampire one. Yeah, I don't, with the, I don't with even. The father. I don't even. I didn't even know it was about vampires. It's mm-hmm. one of those books that I had always heard about from Stephen King and never was interested enough to read it. So. Mm-hmm. Then the Tommy Knockers, another book I have never read, uh, and then Vacation Land. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe Stephen King needs to get out more. <laughs> Probably possible, so, possible. right? Yeah. I mean, because there comes a point where you, you would think, just for variety's sake, for his own entertainment, he would set something outside of me. Yeah, and in Ace case he's doing all right with it by the way i know that some people have come on facebook and they've been like if you when you ever get to this state be sure to and i if if this is one of those states and we didn't get to whatever sorry yeah. I, you know i mean we've we're doing the best we can yeah no we covered all the ones that we have seen yeah. that are set there yeah. we're human beings yeah not so, humans doing well the thing is a lot of times these suggestions are like be sure to watch this movie you've never heard of and this movie from like you know 1993 or whatever and you're like ah, okay well somebody I'm- i mean that's the tone of a lot of those comments would have been somebody suggesting this poison ivy michael j fox movie we've mm-hmm. never heard of mm-hmm. yeah um, and, and not to say not to say don't give me suggestions it's just that i don't have time to watch those movies a lot of times and I, I've, I've, occasionally i'll i'll get to it mm-hmm. and, and i'll watch something but yeah on for something like this where like everybody's given suggestions for their state i I will say this regarding suggestions in a general sense, not about the podcast, but if you're if you're asking me to send a movie that has only been open in the theaters for a week, you can stop sending me suggestions. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good one. All right, so are we ready to move on to our uh, other other things? Yes, yeah, so we're going back to our uh format that we had a few weeks ago uh, that we started at the beginning of the year where we go through our rants, right? Some news, some recommendations and some warns and some questions. Mhm. So, who wants to rant first? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! I'm as mad as hell! You've never seen me very upset. Uh, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt came back on Netflix. Yeah. uh, Fourth season. Um, And uh, I I did not read anything about it. I just went ahead and started watching episodes of it and everything, because I love that show. And um, 
I was about uh, five episodes in when I saw, like an actor or somebody came up that I was like, oh, who is that? And um, and I noticed on the uh, episode list that there were six episodes. Like I was near the end of this comeback for them already. And how many episodes are normally in a season? Ten. I believe. Okay. Uh, they are doing what a lot of networks are doing with their big shows and splitting up their final season into Fucking six annoying. episodes each. That's annoying. Um, why does Netflix have to do this? Yeah, I, it makes more sense for a show like Game of Thrones yeah. than Netflix. Like with HBO, you've, you constantly have to have programming on your, on your station. Yeah. It's not a lot of people. Yes, do have HBO Go, where they can just go and do like Netflix only with HBO. But, um, but with Netflix, it's just it's a it's an on demand service. So I never I, I don't understand. I don't think anybody except the guy who runs Netflix understands why they need to have six episodes of Kimmy Schmidt here, and then six just so happens to be January of 2019 where they're obviously trying to optimize their year. Hmm. And I don't know why that matters for Netflix at all. Don't understand how that, how that factors, like how is their business running like any other business? Yeah. Cause if you're a network, even if you're HBO, you build up not only the anticipation for the new season, but you build up episode to episode because mm-hmm. you don't just release everything and then just binge everything. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a completely different model. Either, you do like what net uh what uh, letterman is doing on netflix mm-hmm. where you release a new episode every month mm-hmm. then you start kind of getting some anticipation you know evenly distributed or you just do it all in one season yeah you're right i don't i don't understand I, why this would i didn't realize also as much as i love the show that it was that much of a tentpole for them that they would cut it into two seasons two, yeah. two halves of the season like this is something that's going to get more subscribers for you in 2019 is the last half of the fourth season of a show nobody knows nobody knows nobody knows is there air you don't know yeah exactly it's exactly like that like the 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 whole the whole uh business model of netflix is so weird and secretive would we be surprised in five years that we found out that something was really fucked up about? i would not (laughs) okay no no. because they are burning money yeah they are burning it now the only reason i would i would think that that's not going to happen is that netflix has shareholders and so the shareholders know what's being viewed there's some measure of information they have to give to shareholders Mm -hmm. in terms of revenue if not viewing statistics and so sooner or later if the revenue is not there people are going to stop giving them money right Mm -hmm. but right now it's 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 uh it's not dissimilar to elon musk's companies like tesla and spacex where they're both losing money hand over fist but they're also raking in billions in investors because the potential income down the road is still so huge uh so we'll let you lose millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars because you might make us trillions and trillions of dollars Mm -hmm. in 10 years so it may be that kind of thing too where they're still on some kind of planned track that but i don't know how you could like next year they're going to release even more than they did this year in terms of shows and movies and some of them are just blips on the radar that nobody ever talks about and then some of them are like 13 reasons why which for some reason gets a second season and now has just announced a third season oh really and you know what the ceo said when they asked him about it you don't have to watch it 
<laughs> like he's getting a little testy about oh, like people asking why would you make three seasons of this show that has so, caused so much controversy well obviously the answer is so many people are watching it i don't Ooh. give a damn yeah. what you say yeah so yeah i i'll never understand i won't understand this i don't know how you optimize your year like a regular business does yeah. by by saying here's a tent pole for us in 2019 the last half of a season like because netflix is a su subscriber based thing and the more subscribers they get is the more money they get is what we always assume mm -hmm. is how they get their money but they probably get more money from other things just i but don't still, know they are spending the fuck oh out my of god they have so many shows and and movies and everything that they're making and um and you know you don't get to see grosses from that you get to you know they're you got Why don't we call them up on the next episode we should and record it mm. and see if we can green light a project yeah within the time well, as, it takes as for us the to south park episode did where like you called <laughs> they called netflix and they said they said hello you're greenlit <laughs> tell me your idea you know that's like la story hi my name's bob i'll be your robber tonight yeah 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 <laughs> anyway that's my rant Ah, nice. I'm going to keep it with streaming services for, for my rant. My wife and I finally decided after after much uh, foot dragging to sign up for Hulu um, because mostly The Handmaid's Tale has received enough acclaim and Good awards show. that I decided I want to watch this and I can only watch it if I have Hulu. Mm -hmm. So even if I sign up for Hulu and three months later I'm done with that show and I get rid of it, so be it. It's worth it to me. Plus, they've got Seinfeld. Yeah. Excellent, mm -hmm. excellent yeah. background binge show. Mm -hmm. Uh. So last night, last night, the night before, I'm signing up for Hulu. And on the screen where I have to give them my name, first and last name, and my email address, there's a required field for my gender. Mm. And there's only M and F. Now, plenty of people will be triggered about this for plenty of reasons, and they're mm. all probably valid. I'm not personally triggered. Like, I, I wasn't angry on behalf of trans people mm. that they only gave two options. I'm angry from a, from a logic standpoint that that you believe knowing my gender is somehow going to help you or me in this situation and you hover over the little question mark and it says some gobbledygook about this is to, for, so we can serve you better yeah it's not yeah it's so they can sell my information about my behavior to other people exactly mm -hmm. and mostly that's to the people who own hulu and this like is 2018 nbc by the way. and like there's no re there's no reason it should be a question you ask that's required Right. You want to ask it and I volunteer it fine. It's extra wonky because just like Netflix, I'm the one signing up for it, but my wife is going to be the one spending 99% of the time on it. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't like anything like I like. And nothing that she likes comes from her gender. She doesn't like, it's not like she's going to go, I'm going to find all the girly shows. Yeah. I'm going to watch all the girly shows. She likes gnarly documentaries about skulls and crime. Mm -hmm. and, and there's <laughs> skulls and that we're still in an era where you think... My gender dictates my tastes. I know, yeah. Is troublesome. Mm -hmm. It's it, most troubling to me that they're trying to sell it to me as a part of their service. They're going to feed back to me. When after I clicked the button to advance, the next thing I did was pick from this list of things you like so we'll know what your tastes are. Well, oh, why yeah, did yeah. you need my goddamn gender? Yeah. yeah. You exactly. want to sell it to somebody. You need to be able to tell whoever you're selling the info to that I'm a man or a woman because mm -hmm. it matters to that advertiser who's buying that. Yeah, 9% of, of the exactly. demographic it's a of demographic whoever play. watches 13 Reasons Why or Seinfeld exactly. or whatever it is. And it fucking pissed me off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Became a rant. 
now I'm done. Nice. I will say this though, but beyond that, which is totally fucked up, by the way, uh, I love watching Hulu on that Oculus Go thing, man. Oh yeah, that is the, cool. Uh, the uh, the because the Hulu app inside that thing. And now we're talking about both Hulu and Facebook. Wow, what a bunch of privacy we have there. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, but uh, they have that Hulu app, and it makes it look like a huge ass movie screen, and you can watch you know you can watch handmaid's tale and stuff like that on basically what appears to be a movie screen now obviously not a big group thing you just have your headset sure and whatever but uh if you're just watching by yourself and everything oh it's so fucking. it's pretty awesome yeah yeah so i don't have to give that a whirl yeah, yeah. especially now that i got the hulus the hulus and, they, and that they know that you're either male or female that's right they know they know i'm a male mm-hmm. and now i'm gonna fuck up their data because my wife's gonna go in there and watch all kinds of shit that no you sense. should go in and watch some of the fucked up movies they have on hulu now like i bet just, they do have some fucked up movies they do wrong turn six i'm gonna find they have a lot of like very like obscure movies they have some that you've you have definitely seen or heard of before but uh but yeah you could really mess up i'm gonna find naked lunch and just play it on repeat (laughs) yes over and over and like in six months there's gonna be like some intern at hulu scurrying down to his officer his his office is if they have all this information that you've watched uh what was the movie naked lunch naked lunch that you've watched naked lunch over and over and then like they also have underneath that like you make it like what's the like the cupcake wars or whatever <laughs> like they have that <laughs> this is the most fucked up person in the yeah. universe i can think of at least two things wrong with that title yes. maybe he's just hungry <laughs> he was watching C- cupcake wars and then he thought that he could find something in naked lunch what was the Simpsons where uh, Milhouse and Bart cut school and they go to see Naked Lunch? No, it's yeah, uh, is it the Knoxville? Break. Yeah, and uh, that's yeah, yeah. what he was referring to yeah. there. They see I Naked can Lunch. Think of, that was Nelson, Nelson who says that. <laughs> I can think of two things wrong with that title. <laughs> they're complaining because they're out of money and out of gas and they're stuck in Knoxville. And Nelson's like, on the plus side, at least I knocked over the sun sphere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, my rant is born about that I've been a captive audience by watching sports with the NHL playoffs and the uh, and the NBA playoffs. Mm. And you have to sit through some commercials before you can you know get up and do whatever. Mm-hmm. And you come back, and I keep hearing these voices on these commercials, and I recognize them. And it's people like George Clooney and Ed Harris and uh, John Hamm and uh, Jimmy Kimmel and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, this must be for their show. No, it's for Dunkin' Donuts mm-hmm. or it's for DQ or it's for Ford or something like that. <laughs> and it got me thinking, like, why the fuck? Now, these are Americans. We've all heard about, like, the, uh, the, the old stories of people going overseas and recording a commercial. It's the Lost in Translation thing where mm-hmm. you do yeah. some sort of wacky Japanese ad or something like that or a voiceover for something, and it's never heard from again. Mm-hmm. But these are now established, well-paid A-list actors that are now going on on ads and doing VO, doing voiceover for these ads, where it's not like they're lending their star power to it and their face and things like that. They're literally reading the copy. Whereas there have to be thousands of qualified voiceover artists that are available to do these things and do them just as well, if not better. Why do we need this? It's not going to sell the brand harder i guess maybe they've got some analytics that say that it does it took me forever to figure out that ed harris was the voice behind those home well that's the thing thing, is that i never even can tell like you were mentioning you could hear george clooney or what have you i 
when I read that list that you sent in show prep, I didn't know any of those commercials had that. Oh, had really? Famous voices because and I, you would think of all people, that's something I pay attention to because yeah. I'm like a nitpicker and everything. But no, I'm always surprised when I find out, and they're just throwing money away yeah. on a George Clooney when you could get a guy. There actually is a Morgan Freeman soundalike out there that mm-hmm. was used in a couple of campaign ads and ultimately had some kind of legal action taken against him by Morgan Freeman. Oh, that's funny. So they had to like dial down his Morgan Freemanness a little bit, but you can get a sound alike yeah. for five bucks on the website Fiverr, right? Yeah. And yeah. and the angle is correct that you're taking. is that It is taking work away from voice actors. Voice acting is a profession in and of itself. Uh, Dicer could speak to this more than I could because he's done some of this. Uh, there's a marketplace out there. The guy that taught us radio in college is a voice actor and has been doing that for 20 years. He's not getting work if you're looking for your George Clooney. The only time this ever works is when the celebrity in question has a singular voice that cannot be. It's basically the Sam whatever for beef. It's what's for dinner. Yeah, Sam um, Elliott. Sam Elliott, yeah. If you don't have a voice that's instantly, I got, got his name wrong after I'm talking about instantly <laughs> recognizable. But if it's not that, you know, singular a sound, then there's no reason to hire a famous person. There, there is a reason I understand that they hired Dennis Leary to do the Ford truck commercials. He's got the, okay, he's doing the rant. And yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Ford trucks are going to, you can go out and you can smash like a puppy with your right. wrench and shit like that. <laughs> but like the rest of these, and let me read you a, just a, a list off the top of my fucking head mm-hmm. that I came up with. Uh, Jimmy Fallon doing Xfinity. Again, all voiceovers. No, like, star power lent to it. Yeah, they don't uh, even put their names or pictures on these Yeah, apps. you have no idea. George Clooney for Budweiser. John Hamm for American Airlines. Dennis Leary for Ford, as I mentioned. John Krasinski for BlackBerry. Yeah. John Goodman for Dunkin' Donuts. And Ed Harris for Home Depot. Julia Roberts does one of these. Like, there's... It, again, you're throwing money away, and you're taking away a cottage industry that could save you money and sell your product just as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's a that's a solid rant because there's a, a couple different ways to crack that nut. Yeah. yeah. I like it. All right, let's run through news because I can't wait to get to recommend and warns. Ah. News on the mark. Uh, what's your news? Um, do we care about the Jared Leto Joker standalone movie? Aside from the fact that it 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 annoys me on like a cellular level. I have a theory mm. that borders on defamation all right yeah bring it in an an alternate universe jared leto made suicide squad Mm -hmm. with the promise of more screen time and his own standalone film suicide squad came out and made a bunch of money but no one liked it Mm -hmm. and the majority of batman fans did not like leto's joker Mm -hmm. he was cut from the film more than he wanted he was unhappy about this but has somehow enough leverage that after all this went down, he went into some producer's office and did the Lego Batman on the floor roll around rant. <laughs> no, 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 no. And somebody said, all right, just give him a standalone Joker movie and we'll just move on with our lives. Yeah. That is potentially what might have happened in that alternate universe that isn't here. I could see it. Yeah. Um, I, I, you almost have to feel like that is what happened, right? Because it doesn't make any sense otherwise. I just, I, I, you, you would, I feel like you would be sort of working your way away from that. But maybe there's enough people who love Suicide Squad out there that. I mean, here's the thing: Why do we want to see a Joker movie? The best times that the Joker has been featured in 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 media has been uh, the Dark Knight where he was best supporting actor. Mm-hmm. He was in that certainly a, a bunch, but he was a supporting character. 
Jack Nicholson's Joker in mm-hmm. Batman. Uh, Mark Hamill's Joker in in the animated series. Mm-hmm. Not in there all the time. No. It's a Batman story well, with a side of Joker. And we already have the Scorsese-produced standalone Joker origin film. Exactly, yeah. which I also have very little interest yeah, in. Yeah, so why make this both of these, too? Like, you're going to make a... You're going to make both uh, a uh, an origin story joker which is probably going to be handled with care and look really good and then you're gonna fuck that up mm-hmm. by putting the jared leto one in there and they're both dc uh, properties too right yeah, yeah they're both dc they're both both warner brothers uh yeah i don't understand why you would do this let me ask you something 30 seconds to mars is kind of having a little bit of a moment mm-hmm. in the last few months mm-hmm. airplay multiple songs what was once a joke-worthy throwaway band from a rock star is becoming an actual legit commercial success in the music scene. Mm-hmm. Could corporate favors, synergy, have anything to do with any of this? Possibly. Possibly. I mean, like, I, I guess I'm they're selling records. skeptical of everything, but I'm extra skeptical about this announcement mm-hmm. because it makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> it's crazy. It's almost like they're they're seeing how people will react to it and there and then and then probably at the last minute when nobody's looking ah, oh yeah we should scrap that, that. <laughs> oh, i wouldn't be surprised if that's the case too yeah uh where they're, they're they throw out an announcement and see how it they plays. literally said this to get them out of their office yeah <laughs> i mean i will release it jared it's they, fine they were dormammu and he was dr stranging yeah. them give me my own movie give me my own movie i've come to bargain i've come to bargain. Get, get him the fuck off the lot already whatever it takes this fucking guy yeah right? anyway yeah. that's the ultimate this fucking guy yeah i i <laughs> i just i think that you they would be extremely uh this would be a huge mistake to come out with this awesome joker movie that you're that i have in my mind and then come out with the the jared leto version not too long after that yep. it's confusing um it's not going to be the same storyline or anything yeah. it's just and it's a second joker movie and people don't have very good feelings about that yeah that portrayal not only his portrayal of the character as an actor but the the way they chose to portray the character mm-hmm. as more of a crime lord than yeah who was behind that who was like yeah i'm I gonna die know. on that hill I don't that know. was the greatest representation of the joker i've ever seen i don't know but he sent somebody a rat in a box yeah, so let's it. all call it awesome yeah. uh my news i'm gonna, okay so i read a headline today and I, I i would call it a roller coaster but it's really more like one of those rides where it just takes you straight up and then drops you <laughs> i'm gonna read it to you with pauses all right. the way i read it and i was excited up until the last part of the headline brian de palma is making a horror movie mm-hmm. inspired by mm-hmm the downfall of harvey weinstein ah mm. uh, a horror movie i'm I just i mean you tell me brian de palma's making a horror movie i'm in mm. i'm all the way in mm. and then you tell me it's inspired by the downfall of harvey weinstein now i wonder about that because i wonder if it's one of those things where they the harvey weinstein thing sort of spurred an idea and it's not really about that well, I'm not expecting it to be about that, but yeah. it's still that the end of that headline killed all my joy. I don't know, man. I mean, it's like uh, when you hear Paul Thomas Anderson is making a movie about Scientology, but then he ends up making The Master. Mm-hmm. Well, you you please choose a better example because I'm not as big a fan of that movie as you are. Well, I understand. But that, you're right. But it, it like you say, being... Paul Thomas Anderson is making a movie about a uh, 200 years ago dressmaker. 
That doesn't <laughs> sound very exciting, but Phantom Thread turned out to be pretty yeah. good. So yeah, I get I get that it could still be good. But a lot of the stuff that a lot of the stuff that De Palma is known for in his thrillers, uh, there's a lot of that, like psychosexual, you know, mm-hmm. uh, behavior type stuff that I could see being inspired by that type of thing. Like it's a horror movie, yes, it's, uh, but it's not going to be. Uh, this film exec, you know, is uh, is <laughs> inviting women up to his apartment every night. You know, it's not that type I of thing. Ever, I hope it's not. Have you ever made awful. a horror movie before? Huh? Uh, Has De Palma ever made a horror movie before? What you would, yeah, he did Carrie. Oh yeah, Carrie. Uh, and and then I, uh, there's, a, I mean, a lot of the stuff that he's done, even though they're more thrillers than horror movies. I mean, have horror elements. Like Body mm. Double is not yeah. a horror movie, but it's got horror elements in it. They, you, you know. There's no way you're not going to be afraid of seeing uh, the bad guy for the first time in that mm. movie. Um, and then there's uh, there's just, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know if he's done anything straight horror after that. Uh, the Fury might have been one. I think The Fury was might have been a horror movie, but I'm not mm. sure. But Carrie is the, Interesting. the ultimate one. Not to be confused with Fury, the Brad Pitt tank movie. That's right. <laughs> well, speaking of horror, and this is like a big divisive thing in the in the horror community. I'm getting this information from our buddies over at modern horror uh but the suspiria uh remake is coming out Mm -hmm. and uh later this year and it's got your girl uh chloe grace moretz Mm -hmm. and uh uh, dakota johnson and it's got uh tilda swinton and uh, a bunch of very good actresses Mm -hmm. um interestingly tom york not johnny greenwood is doing the score Hmm. so another radiohead uh connection to my knowledge i don't know if tom york has ever done uh, a movie score no he did a song was the, the song at the end of the prestige was what he did oh you you rung some kind of bell there because the, it's the it, i believe that's just tom york and not radiohead there's hmm. some, it, one of these movies ends with a tom york song and hmm. i can't remember what it is interesting but anyway he scored the trailer the trailer just came out uh the other day now i love suspiria the original 1977 mm-hmm. dario argento uh, uh horror classic and it's weird and it's crazy and it's beautifully shot and it's italian and shit and like <laughs> i'm i'm on board and I'm fine with the remake because of it, how it looks and the cast and all that stuff. And the trailer came out. The trailer is gorgeous. It mm. looks awesome. Mm. The music is fantastic. I'm legitimately excited for this movie. And for some reason, it's, I guess, getting divisive responses because people didn't want to see it remade. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Everything I've seen has been p- a positive. Everybody's yeah. just buzzing about this trailer. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know there were people that were well, bummed about it. Yeah, I mean... it. Suspiria is is definitely in the horror canon, but I don't think a lot of people have seen it. I've I don't think it's I've never even heard near of the level if you're a of horror the Exorcist. Fan, you've seen it probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you avoid horror like me, it's off your radar entirely. But I think it's off of a lot of people's. Radar. I mean, I saw it mm, probably ten years ago. Or yeah, so. I haven't seen it since. But uh, but um, yeah, it's not a movie that you would normally go to a like a blockbuster or something yeah. back in the day and be able to just immediately see it ready readily available. Right? Yeah, it's it's got really interesting. If they do the same, follow the same story, mm-hmm. it's about like a ballet dancer and like her her introduction to this society, the school, and it's really really interesting. It's creepy. It's very atmospheric. I can't wait for this movie. It's gonna be. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm very excited for it. By the way, that uh, Tom York song was at the end of Prestige. It's called nice. Analyze. That was a good ah, pull. Yeah, cool. So. 
All right, let's go to recommends and warns. I can't wait. Was it analyze or analyze? Uh, analyze. Mm. I'm an analogist. It, it's it's got that British misspelling of analyze where it doesn't have the Z. where it has an extra H in there. Whereas <laughs> like uh, like there's uh, a seven. It's like uh, I remember uh, I, was, I was talking to someone who was British and like she she was like uh, she's like you. You, you Americans, you always put those Zeds in your in your words and everything. I don't understand it. And at first, I was like Zeds. Oh, the Zs. <laughs> <laughs> Where are all these British people you're talking to? Um, well, one of like them was whole... because uh, one worked with Mark Robertson at Real SEO. Oh, that's right. And then um, the other person, I do not remember why, but he just happened to be from Great Britain. Interesting. And so, and uh, I knew a guy in New York who was from Great Britain. You sound like you're from London. Yes. <laughs> All right, recommends. Totes amazeballs. There go. Right. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Recommends right. and recommends. And uh, recommends. I will recommend there are two movies. First, uh, last night I saw Film Worker, which Ooh. is the uh, the Leon Vitale uh, movie with he's the guy who helped Stanley Kubrick. Um, oh did you see this at the bell court i did i awesome. saw this at the bell court so with uh, josh childs oh well, excellent um and um and uh yeah it's about this about the guy who man he ran himself into the ground for stanley kubrick man wow. was he a production assistant or was he he was an he was actor he was an, he was an actor right? he's in barry Lyndon. right he's one of the main guys in barry Lyndon. And uh, there's a scene in there where Ryan O'Neill has to like hit him and stuff. And apparently, they had to do that like 30 times. He was actually hitting him, and uh, and Kubrick. and you see Ryan O'Neill and the, Ryan O'Neill's in this movie. And he's like, he's like, uh, yeah, I, f- I felt really bad about <laughs> having to do that. You know, when you're when you're working with the maestro, you know that type of thing. Um, but Leon Vitale was in Barry Lyndon, and after that, he had this taste for wanting to be behind the camera, and uh, and so he he got an invite for from kubrick to uh to stuff on the shining and so he like basically the first thing he asked him to do was to find his danny lloyd mm. so he was like well, how would you like to go to america and find my danny lloyd so that was the first thing that he did but then it was just like it it's from something as like that to he was responsible for uh, looking at his his prints frame by frame for the right coloring and mm. uh, uh, wrangling in actors. He's one of the big reasons why Arlie Ermey is the drill sergeant in Full Metal Jacket. There's because he found him as an actual drill sergeant. Yeah, right? that's a great. Oh my God! They show the guy who uh, who was supposed to be uh the the drill sergeant and that he ends up in the movie he's the guy who's like because i'm so fucking good that guy (laughs) he's the guy who was the drill sergeant but they go through this whole thing he's got the part he's in a kubrick movie he's going to be one of the main parts and like then he had to go and and like so like this vitaly's like shooting uh arlie ermy with all these actors doing this stuff and ermy's like i'm gonna i'm gonna say a whole bunch of stuff to you and if you can you can make it through that then maybe you can make it on through the next thing ermy's like i knew as soon as he showed that footage to kubrick kubrick would call me in the next day sure enough he calls him (laughs) in the next day to take this part and then he had to go and tell this dude that i'm sorry you're not gonna be in this movie (laughs) and uh, all that so there's stuff like that but this guy this guy just you know very much just 
like did everything that Stanley Kubrick asked of him. And if you know, if you even heard of the rumors of, or the, the legend of Stanley Kubrick, you know, that the guy is very demanding, one of the most demanding people of all time to the point of nearly abuse. And, uh, if, if maybe not even, I shouldn't even probably soft mm-hmm. toss it there. It's to abuse. Um, and this guy, man, he looks so worn down, man. And, but he's, he's the, the eminent, you know, Kubrick expert. Huh. And, and he's the guy who, you know, you're going to go to when you remaster a Blu-ray or a DVD or whatever, and like get the color just right huh. on everything and all that. And yeah, Kubrick, uh, ran him through the ringer, man. It's worth watching. Did he like him? Did they have a good yeah, relationship? He, he said he, he says he loves Kubrick, but man, do you think about the stuff that Kubrick made that guy go through and everything? I wonder what Kubrick would have done without him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know this is all from one man's perspective too sure he never wants he never wants personally he never wants says oh i don't know what kubrick would have done without me he does he's not doesn't think that way Mm. i as a viewer sat there and thought that Mm. uh but uh definitely worth seeing if you can run across it um uh but watch that i had another one written down but i think i've i think i'll just go ahead and say with stay with film work it's kind of sad how many of our old-timey great directors were like abusive yeah Mm -hmm. yeah hitchcock hitchcock orson welles wasn't abusive as much as he was i mean he has a reputation of being super Mm -hmm. demanding yeah Mm. anyway uh are we gonna go back through on warns yeah let's do the recommends first all right so uh recommend is one that just recently came on stars uh from last year that i never saw only the brave which is this josh brolin firefighter smoke jumper movie Mm. actually when when it came out i couldn't help but think of that smoke jumpers movie that was in entourage that he oh, yeah. chase goes to me um but um yeah i remember i think it was dicer I, I think i remember watching his review of this when it came out and he seemed genuinely high on it and that's really i kind of forgot about it mm-hmm. forgot it existed like miles teller is the basically the lead in this movie other than josh brolin huh. and honestly he could be played by anyone in this his character could uh but it came on because every saturday I go to HBO and stars to check to see what's coming on new. Um, And it's not every Saturday that something is, but usually when they have new movies that are just hitting the service, it's going to be Saturday night at seven or eight o'clock on HBO or stars. Um, And so this one was Blade Runner uh, 2049 on HBO and only the brave on stars. And I was Mm. like, well, I've seen one of these movies, so I'm going to devote my time to the one I have not seen. And I'm watching this movie and it, it's pretty good. Ah. Mm -hmm. Um, about halfway through, I realized it was a true story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Um, and it, I think, changed for the better how I was experiencing the film. Hmm. Because when I believed it was fiction, I was nowhere near as attached to these characters. And once I Googled it and found out it was based on reality, a, like a, a switch was flipped for me. Hmm. Um, and I became more invested. And that's, hmm. a little wi- that's a little bit weird, but... It is what it is. I didn't think Miles Teller was anything special. Josh Brolin is super subdued, um, mm. especially compared to what he's been doing lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, much more like uh, No Country Josh Brolin than anything he's been in the last five years. Um, solid. Just solid. Yeah. Only the Brave. What, good, a, yeah, a what a time. Innocuous title. Yeah. And what's interesting is that you don't think about, like, I think the average person, when they think about firefighters, they think about city firefighters and the trucks and the hoses and the buildings on fire. But these are these firefighters are fighting wildfires in the forest. Their job mainly consists of burning. 
mainly consists of cutting a line and burning in advance of the fire's arrival so that when the fire hits, there's nothing left to burn and it dies. Mm. And so you get to see a lot of during the training because Miles Teller is sort of like this. I don't know how much of this is fictionalized, but he's sort of like this. You've been given one last chance a bunch of different times. No one's going to give you another chance. And then Josh Brolin's like, I will, because no one ever gave me a chance. either. <laughs> so he takes him onto the team. And it's, I just I enjoyed it more than I expected to. Cool. Um, so there you go. These innocuous titles, though, we've, I'm you know, we've talked about this already in this in this podcast, but they have to do better than this, right? Because yeah, that that only the brave. I am instantly reminded of the brave one, the Jodie Foster yeah, yeah, yeah. Death Wish movie. Um, well, and I was immediately reminded of the twelve the twelve horse soldiers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and see, there's a there's a situation where like. Like, yeah, was it 12 strong? Yeah, 12 strong. Yeah, uh, that's a situation where they've made a, a generic title, but then they came up with this super long ass, <laughs> who gives a shit type of thing. Uh, and it's like, I'm sure that's a great story, but man, you made it. <laughs> You made it unspecial with yeah. that title. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I do judge a book by its cover. Give me something that I want to go see. And yeah. there's plenty there's plenty in this movie they could have done that would have that would have told you what it was better with the title mm -hmm. than only the brave. Yeah. But I think it was that I think it was that true story angle. Again, same as the twelve strong. Mm -hmm. It's a true story. It kind of makes you makes you want a more heartfelt romantic title yeah which doesn't work as well for marketing purposes yeah but, flame yeah. blower i'm actually more interested to talk about my record warren than this one but i would recommend this movie to you I think yeah you i can't wait either okay so my recommend is on netflix it's an anthology series called easy another innocuous title mm -hmm. yeah i have been through saw this title many many times and i was like i don't know what the fuck that is mm -hmm. um and then i i was reading a review in rolling stone that referenced easy joe swanberg is the guy who did it i'm quoting it's a mumblecore type mm -hmm. of pioneer um and this is a lot of that he also directed drinking buddies and, and a few other things um several other things actually and so i read this really glowing review about it the second season came out fairly recently and so i was like all right it's an anthology series so you don't have to watch all of the things just to get right into it um it's it takes place in different vignettes in the city of chicago and because i'm into chicago porn whenever i can mm -hmm. i love watching shows and movies about chicago mm -hmm. um and i like swanberg i like the stuff that he does and i like uh kind of his genre too and the actors that are in this are unfucking believable mm -hmm. you've got uh in the the episodes that i saw you had um aubrey plaza uh, you had uh, Hannibal Burris, uh, Gugu and Batha Raw, uh, Dave Franco, Zazie Beetz, um, Orlando Bloom, Malin Ackerman, uh, Katie Micucci. Mm. And those are just in the episodes that I saw. There's a million people in these. I'm in surprised Anna Kendrick's thing. not in one of those. Well, things. I'll get to Anna Kendrick soon, though. Oh, yeah. Um, this show is is very, very good. And then at times, it is great. Mm -hmm. uh it is a it, it's a slice of life it's done in his conversational improvisational style <laughs> and there are some times where you, you look at a relationship and a lot of it is about um you know a relationship after marriage and especially after kids and things like that how that all coalesces how your neighborhood and community all works together that kind of thing and 
it's it's fantastic. There's one episode that starts off with Hannibal Burris as a investigative reporter interviewing the guy who did Hoop Dreams. Oh yeah, which oh. was in Chicago. Yeah, uh, and he's asking him about Hoop Dreams. Like, what are you doing now? And it it looks like a real interview because the guy's saying like, you know. I'm not coaching anymore, but I'm an educator. I want to make sure these these young men are brought up well, uh, which is really cool. And then it goes on to an episode called Hop Dreams, which is about these two brothers trying to open up a brewery nice. in Chicago. And that's Dave Franco and uh, Evan Jongakit, uh, who I'd seen before. Oh, yeah. Uh, but my favorite episode, one of my favorite episodes is Orlando Bloom and Malin Ackerman are you know, parents of a young young child, and but they're still young enough and like you know, in shape and stuff like that and adventurous enough where they want to have a threesome. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they end up getting on Tinder and all that stuff and they end up uh, hooking up with Kate McCucci, who is the, the ukulele player from Garfunkel and Oates. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with this? She, you would recognize her face. For I'm sure. still back at the Orlando Bloom threesome. Sorry, go on. Well, okay. <laughs> so it goes on to depict this threesome from soup to nuts to where like it, it goes from how they get in touch with her and the pre-drinks and stuff like that and then how they get into this to the completion of the threesome, all while getting called away individually to go take care of this baby who's in the house. It is awesome. Yeah. It's like the happiest, most well-adjusted, like, just, I say realistic. I'm not going to get into the realism of a threesome. But <laughs> it, it's presented in a way that is realistic and not gauzy and not fake and that kind of thing. And everybody's, spoiler, everybody's happy at the end. Mm-hmm. Did they a threesome with a dude or a chick? With the chick, Kate McCoochie. Oh, you said her name. I didn't. Kate McCucci, Malin Ackerman, and who? and Orlando Bloom. Orlando Bloom. Yes, who was jacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's it's just it's it, you know it's twenty six minutes per episode, which, easily uh, bingeable. Which episode was that? <laughs> I think it's called uh, what is it? Utopia. Uh, it's episode eight of season one. I think. Thank you for that information. Mm-hmm. I will. Not uh, and then there's also one about an open marriage, like this this very stable couple that wants to do an open marriage, and the sex depicted in this is also very, very realistic. Um, it, it's just very cool. I, I wholeheartedly recommend this. Wow. Series. May have to watch this. All right. That was uh, off my radar completely. Mm, yeah. Um, my warn is going to be... Now, I was just talking about this Hulu app mm-hmm. and how there's movies and stuff. So I was going through some movies and I noticed Knock Knock. Oh, Jesus. And uh, I was... I not, I, did, I clearly have not, had not done enough to warn you away from this movie. <laughs> um... No, you would not have been able to warn me from this movie just mainly because <laughs> I get it. My the my boner for Anna de Armas is uh, ah. a little bit too strong. The power of that boner. I will watch anything she's in. She is gorgeous. Uh-huh. And yeah, she uh is. the first time I ever saw her in War Dogs, I was in love with her. Mm-hmm. I am it's it's a it's a thing now. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's bad. Um no, it, it, so knock knock is this uh <laughs> this movie did have you warned this before i don't know if i've I warned hope it. not i hope not because it would suck if we no done. i don't think i've like you mean in the podcast warning yeah. no i think i have just said in conversation to you okay. that i've seen it and it's terrible. so keanu reeves is a is a happily married man and his wife and kids are leaving for some vacation or something like that and um she's an artist and she's left like this like real valuable not valuable but like centerpiece to her art gallery or whatever at home and he's like just make sure it gets to the right people while i'm gone whatever this had they had to throw some other bullshit in here 
uh, so these two gorgeous women uh, in the rain knock on his door and say, hey, we're looking for this party and the Google Maps or whatever told us the wrong address. Could you maybe can we use your phone because our phones are dead or some shit like that? Whatever excuse it is that they get in the and he's like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. And so this is Ana de Armas and uh, uh, Lorenza Izzo. Hmm. Uh, uh, and they and they sit there and they talk to him while they're waiting for their, like, you know, it, it, at one point he calls an Uber. The Uber takes, of course, it takes 45 fucking minutes for an Uber to show up <laughs> at this fucking place. And uh, and so while they're waiting for the Uber, they're like getting their clothes dried. And of course, sir, they're like, you know, like just kind of like in towels and <laughs> crap like that. And. I know if you have a message about like the temptations that married men may go through and everything, it has like this kind of like, Oh yeah, I kind of, kind of see what you're going for type of thing here. Like, like he would never let just ra random dudes show up in his house. Right. Right. He thinks that he's like stronger than them and that he could take care of them if they were like uh dangerous at all. And, and of course, because they're gorgeous, he's entertaining the fantasy. If you wanted to go along that line, it might be an interesting drama. I like me an interesting David Mamet type drama. Mm. But this is an Eli Roth movie. Oh, yeah. is it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so like the the right on, like so they seduce him, and of course he's powerless to resist because it's Anna de Armas. I'm sorry. Like you were not, you're not going to turn her down. Um, and, uh, and by the next morning, they don't want to leave. I wouldn't even see her in the room with that other girl in there. Yeah, I know. That's exactly right. I'm saying that Lorenzo is a girl. Lorenzo is a, who is Eli Roth's wife. Yeah. In real life. Like I wouldn't see the other girl I, with that girl. I in the wouldn't, room. I wouldn't either. I'm sorry. I just, and she's gorgeous too, but God damn <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you're actually misunderstanding me i'm saying the opposite of what oh you're saying, you're saying oh. i wouldn't see the girl from blade runner oh. because eli roth's wife is in the room oh i see what you're i saying. find her you to like... be the more attractive oh. of the two. Oh, okay <clears throat> okay i think they're both plus hotties who would win the no swimsuit competition miss usa pageant hands down that's very interesting <laughs> um but uh so yeah so by the time it's all over uh, the, the, the next morning they're not, they don't want to, they're not leaving They're In fact, they're trashing his place mm -hmm. at this point. They're even trashing the, the art that the wife made mm. and all this stuff. And he's pissed now. He's like, get the fuck out of my house. Cause he's Keanu Reeves. Yeah, of course. And, um, and, uh, and they, I care about your crimes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, Every t every time that he threatens them in some way, they're like, "Well, what? You you know, you're like, you, yeah, I bet your wife wouldn't like to know about what happened, and so on and so forth, and everything." Um, I will end it there just to say that Keanu Reeves turns in a Nicolas Cage and Wicker Man performance <laughs> that you must see. Wow, this is a wreck of worn as much as wow. it can be because Keanu Reeves turns in that kind of performance. Oh, I can't. There's a, I, I don't even want to spoil things he says because it's so coming out of his, I, I, it would be hilarious for the podcast for me to say some oh of the things God. that he says, but you must experience this for yourself <laughs> when he is yelling at these women 
the things that come out of his mouth are so ridiculous <laughs> in his anger that you have to experience it for yourself. Oh, I got to see this. And uh, and so there's my wreck of warn. This movie is terrible as fuck, <laughs> but you must watch it because of that that train wreck of a. Uh, and the movie is just the the movie has a point. Uh-huh. Oh, it's such a terrible point. <laughs> I can't wait to watch. <laughs> I am oh, curious how much longer we have to go before the people with money stop giving it to Eli Roth. No, mm. yeah, I don't know because Hostel, well, and then what else? Hostel is is I thought was decent. Well, that's what I'm saying. It was okay, and it and it made money, and I think what he does is he makes movies for very little money and probably gets a pretty good return oh i see it's like the the guys in the player who are like you know well you know we don't make a lot of money but uh we all we always turn a a decent private profit and tim robbins uh, is like okay yeah sure because he made that death wish or what what was yeah he made the death wish remake i I just don't feel like he's made anything good for a really long time no i don't think so either and if somebody could give me money I could make something better than yes. Knock knock. Well, yes. people have uh, an affinity for that uh, movie that we've discussed before. Um, yeah, the Green Inferno. Green Inferno. There's but a it's lot of terrible. People... Yeah, I agree. And uh, and a lot of people have uh, they like Cabin Fever too. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I forgot that that was him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I think it really comes down to that. He makes movies well on the cheap, and they probably Fair turn enough. a profit. Fair enough. Wreck mm-hmm. Warren. Wreck of Warren. Um, I tweeted about this. Uh, the movie called The Tale, an HBO original film with Laura Dern. Oh, yeah. Um, what's this about? <sighs> childhood sex abuse. Oh. Mm. oh. Um, I, remember how I told you I like to go on Saturday nights and see what HBO has that's new? Uh-huh. This is how I ended up watching that Fahrenheit 451 mm. um, with Michael B. Jordan, which was not very good. So I see this brand new movie called The Tale. It's on HBO. It's an HBO original, and it stars Laura Dern. Mm-hmm. And that was literally all I needed. I was a yes. Mm-hmm. And I was too far in to stop once the movie revealed itself to me. And it's not a long ways in. It's pretty early on. She's she's playing a, a real woman who directed this film uh, named Jenny Fox, mm-hmm. who's, a, who's a documentary filmmaker and teacher. Um, and this is based on a, her own experiences in fact the movie starts with a voiceover that says this is based on a true story as far as i know um and there are a bunch of reasons i want to talk about this movie but you we have to first talk about the the elephant in the room which is that it is about childhood sex abuse her mother who's a famous actress i can't recall the name of who's in the drug movie diane lad diane Diane who is that you lauren dern's mom yeah diane ladd yeah she's that's not the woman i thought it was oh you're talking about in the show her mom yes i'm sorry yes in the in the movie her mom is played ellen burston oh okay ellen burston ellen burston i was Mm -hmm. trying to think of that aronofsky movie she's in um all right so ellen burston calls her she's been going through some boxes and she's found this essay that laura dern's character wrote when she was a teenager for school um and ellen burston is immediately concerned because the essay basically spells out sexual abuse um and laura dern is blown away because she remembers this summer of her life in a completely romanticized way Hmm. that and 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 the movie this is such an expertly made film i cannot i 
I cannot tell you enough how good this film is. Hmm. Because like the first flashback, she basically spent a few summers at this horse riding place with Mrs. G, who was the horse riding lady. And nearby was uh, a man, uh, forget Bob something, I think, who was their running coach. Taught them cross country. The Jason running. Ritter. Here? Jason Ritter. Yeah. The mm. uh, Mrs. G, by the way, is that uh, is the woman who played the Aisha character in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Yes. The um, uh, the sovereign mm. uh, leader. Mm-hmm. That's who she yeah. is. Yeah. Um. So the first flashback you see, and it, it's fairly harmless. There's a few girls there that are staying for the summer that are doing riding and running lessons with this guy. And they're having some kind of a potluck dinner in the kitchen. And Mrs. G is handing dishes for the girls to take to the table. And then <clears throat> it keeps cutting back between the flashbacks and Laura Dern in real life as she begins to investigate this incident and try and understand it better. And she finds a picture from that summer. And she realizes she's a lot younger than she remembered. And we see the same flashback again with an actress that's three years younger. Oh, oh damn. So the first time we saw it with a 15-year-old actress, and this time we're seeing it with a 12-year-old actress. And it it's such a great visual way to explain the murkiness when she's dealing with her memory on such a touchy issue. Yeah. Um, And the movie does a lot of these tricks because she's a documentary filmmaker, the, the character and the woman directing this film. So there are moments in the movie where characters from the flashback, like young Mrs. G, are sitting on a couch being interviewed by a documentarian, Jenny. Interesting. And it's a way to bring that character out of the scenario you know, but get at the heart of that relationship because it's an older Laura Dern off camera interviewing the flashback Mrs. G. Hmm. And there are moments when young Jenny looks in the mirror and talks directly to the Jenny behind the camera that's filming her outside the bathroom. Wow. And it's, it's really unsettling. It's shot in a way that like they went out of their way to use body doubles at the right moments. But basically, Mrs. G, from what I can gather, is grooming this Jenny girl for Bob, the running instructor. I think it's hmm. Bob, uh, Jason Ritter's character. And he does he does have sex with her, and they try to set up a foursome with another girl from the camp. Hmm. Um, but Jenny gets sick and can't go, and this is part of remembering this is how Laura Dern remembers that she used to get sick every time she would spend time with Bob. Um and she basically has to peel this onion and, and remember what parts of it were romanticized and what parts of it weren't. There's even a moment where she's talking to a detective and he says, so you were abused when you were 13 by such and such. And she's like, no, I, I had a relationship with him. Hmm. And the detective's like, he gives this, this face like, I'm not going to pursue this particular semantic debate, but that is not right. Mm-hmm. And then he keeps talking to her. And so murky heavy issues that's why my tweet was so like i don't usually talk about movies the way i did when i tweeted out this movie it's terrible to watch Mm. it's important isn't isn't that sort of the the thing that's so hard about those type of stories is that the child a lot of times can look back at at those memories as fond memories Mm -hmm. and they don't think anything's wrong until way later Mm -hmm. in life and everything that's why that's such a a difficult thing to i don't know if it's to prove it or but that people don't come forward a lot of times yeah because yeah because you don't always necessarily even trust your own memory of the mm-hmm. event um everybody's outstanding in this movie mm-hmm. jason ritter 
I, I believe he will legitimately lose roles because he took this role. Because people, some Hollywood guy's going to say, oh, everybody remembers him from that skeezy character who had sex with the little girl. But I think it, it's brave to take a role like this and play it as well as he does because he does, doesn't come off as sinister. Hmm. He comes off as caring and loving, as I would imagine most abusers do. Yeah. And as a child, this Jenny character thought she was becoming an adult and having a more adult loving relationship with two grown-ups she didn't she didn't realize what it was until she's in her 40s investigating it's god it's powerful as hell but it's also the kind of thing i have to tell you enough about what happens before you decide to watch it because some people cannot watch this movie depending Mm. on their own childhood experiences or people they know and what they've been through um it's really hard to watch but not not in the sense that like, this is the hardest movie to watch that I've actually gone back and watched again after I had previously said I'm never going to watch that again. Really? Wow. Because the filmmaking is so good. Mm-hmm. Even, I want to see what she makes beyond this because it's that stuff with the, the younger actress in the second flashback and then the, the documentary interviews of the, of the actual characters mm-hmm. that I have never seen in a movie before. And it's just mm. super clever and just the way that she uses that stuff to underscore... God, it's just it's well, maybe maybe the the best movie I've seen all year. That's amazing. That um, sounds pretty intense. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, but just, I'm just saying, know what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah. It's not the kind of thing that I would want my wife my wife to watch because mm-hmm. I I think it would be a lot harder for her, not for any specific reasons. Right, right, right. Um, but um, uh, but yeah, it it moved me greatly, hmm. and uh, it's important. Anyway, wow. there you go. There's my record warn. It should have recom- ended with that. It's a recommend. Yeah, because yeah. now Barrett's going to say, like, Scooby-Doo 2. Yeah. No, no, no. I have a, a start of a hard warn, and then it'll turn into a recommendation. So there's this movie called The Voices. Have you guys ever heard of this? Mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds, Anna Kendrick, uh, Gemma Arterton, uh, Jackie Weaver, directed by Marian Satrapi, who did Persepolis. Okay. And it is a wacky black comedy. Starring Ryan Reynolds. I have seen this. As a schizophrenia He kills people and puts them in his fridge. Yes. (laughs) I have seen this. It is fucked up. It is fucked up. It also goes against everything about schizophrenia that I know. Wow, he got (laughs) angry for a second there. (laughs) It pissed me off from the very beginning about how they're portraying this normal, everyday, you know, schizophrenic guy that has a job and blah, 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 blah. But also he kills people because all schizophrenic people are fucking dangerous. Right, right. So I was pissed off and I didn't want to watch it. But then Ryan Reynolds is just so engaging. And then I saw him put Gemma Arterton's head in his refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I saw his dog and his cat talking to I was going to say he talks to his cat. Yes. His cat, Mr. Whiskers, is the bad part of his conscience. His dog, Bosco, his dog's name, Bosco, uh, is the good part of his conscience. They're both voiced by Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. One is Scottish, and one is like the old hound dog, you know, from the South type of guy. So he starts dating, or he starts kind of dating Gemma Arterton. Something happens to where he accidentally kills her, and then he dismembers her and puts her in uh, her head in his fridge. And he's going to see a psychiatrist, Jackie Weaver, this whole time, and she's making sure he takes his medication. When he takes his medication... He sees his apartment for what it is. Yeah. Feces riddled, disgusting, blood everywhere. When he doesn't take his medication, he talks t- to his animals. And, the, and his apartment looks fine. Yeah. So then he starts dating Anna Kendrick. And, of course, Anna Kendrick is, like, the most adorable thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And Anna Kendrick and Ryan Reynolds together is kind of the most adorable thing in the mm-hmm. world, too. It's so engaging. 
and the story is kind of like interesting and it's well shot. And I was on board. I somehow got on board with this movie after it violating all of the core things that I know about this disease. Mm-hmm. And he keeps needing to kill and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And then the whole thing ends with a song and dance number uh, in heaven. Mm. And it's it's Anna Kendrick and uh, the the dog and the cat and Ryan Reynolds and his parents all together and doing a song and dance. Of course. And I ended up turning that off and I was like, I think I ended up liking that movie. <laughs> I don't know how I ended up liking that movie, but I liked it. And I will probably watch it again. And wow. I've never even heard of this movie. Wow. It's, it, it is totally a Jeremy Scott movie. <laughs> Seeing it on stars at 11 p.m. That's exactly how I saw on it. On a Sunday night. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what the fuck is the I've never voices? heard of that. There's three people in it I know. Exactly. Let's watch it. yeah. It's directed by the woman who did Persepolis, mm-hmm. one of the most heavy, like, beautiful movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 the definition of a wreck of war. I think. All right. Oh yeah, I would probably watch Naked Lunch before I watch this again. <laughs> so we've <laughs> you we didn't like it. It would be a full on war for me. <laughs> you didn't it's like it at all. Fucked up. I totally spent the entire up. movie wondering how the hell they talked Ryan Reynolds into doing that because it's not old. It's not like this was made <laughs> no, in twenty fifteen. Yeah. yeah, it was made three years ago. We've <laughs> successfully recommended our warns, all of them. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's good. Watch Naked Lunch before the voice. Uh, do we have time for questions at all? Uh, 2.34. No, we do not. <laughs> I was about to say, this seems like this is going a little long. So, yeah, once again, no time for questions. No time for Matt Damon in the oh. day show. We uh, have them, though. We're, we've, we're collecting them, keep them coming in. We're even answering some of them. We were prepped. We were ready. Yep, we were ready. But then we were we just went too long. We, just we like to talking. talking too much, man. We like the sounds of our own voices. That's right. Um. Anyway, keep going to Sincast presented by CinemaSins. Keep going to Twitter, SoundCloud, all these different places that you can find us. I'm Facebook. Barrett is SoundCloud. Jeremy is Twitter. There you uh, go. Tweet on the street. Still, still have some people who don't know quite know whenever I answer in, uh, you know, an I pronouns and stuff. On the, <laughs> like, we don't uh, have character limits, though. Yeah. So anyway, um, but uh, that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Sherrill. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit CinemaSins.com. Man, how good is that new Gorilla song? Have you heard that song? I haven't heard the new song. Oh, it is like it is like summer jam butter. Yeah, what do you know what it's called? Humility. It's just a groove. There's something about gorillas. Yeah. Goddamn YouTube and their goddamn ads. I uh, know. There was a story that came out this week that uh Damien Albarn, the guy from Blur and Gorillas. Yeah. Um he refused to to record with Prince when he was alive. Because Prince wouldn't let him smoke in the studio. That's hilarious. <laughs> the lines we draw in our lives. <laughs> There's still like this blood feud between Blur fans and Oasis fans. Really? Even after all this time. What is Blur even famous for? Woohoo! That's what I thought. But they, they've got amazing stuff. I fucking love Blur. I'm, I'm okay with that. You would love it. I, I can't think you would really. I remember what that beef was all about. They hate uh, Damien Albarn and, and the Gallagher brothers hated each other. And of course, the Gallagher brothers hated themselves. I was going to say they hated each other too. And they still hate each other. I'll leave that. 
Just a, I know, I know, brotherdom is a complicated thing, but I mean, it feels like it's either there's one of three ways it goes. You're either cool with each other and, and tight, mm -hmm. you hate each other's guts, or you're just kind of ambivalent about each other. Yeah. It really feels like every group of brothers or pair of brothers I I know in life fall into one of those three categories. Do you know a lot of them that hate each other? I don't. Yeah, I this, don't. This Gallagher thing is just like every fucking chance they have to talk about the the other mm -hmm. one. Still, I mean, they're like 48 at this point, something like that. Yeah. Like, they just, they just won't let it go. Imagine mm -hmm. imagine the career you could have had. Remember the, remember all the talk? Mm-hmm. Because their, their lips were wagging long before they even had the material to back it up yeah. about they were going to be the next Beatles. <laughs> they could have been. Yeah. They could have stopped fighting with each other. Yeah. They put out, what, two great albums? And then the rest of it's all forgettable? Uh, that first one, and then the one after that that had Do You Know What I Mean on it mm. was also big, in the UK in particular. Um, I don't care about the UK. <laughs> when I talk, I'm generally talking to Americans about America. I, um... <laughs> yes. I, uh, well, yeah, and it's funny because when they were being interviewed, they needed they always needed to put subtitles down on the, <laughs> on the screen. Like their Brad Pitt in yeah, Snatch. I actually, I went up to a... I went Definitely to, Maybe was the first one. Uh, I went to a... I went and talked to... A, ran into a British person during the time of Oasis being popular. And remembering that interview, I said, let me ask you something. When you, when you hear the Gallagher brothers talk, do you need subtitles? And he said, apparently he said that there are people who will do that on purpose. Talk that way on purpose. Mm. To, oh yeah. To troll interviewers and everything. Interesting. And I was like, really? That does kind of sound like what they would do. It, it does sound like something they would do. <laughs> That's interesting. So definitely maybe had uh rock and roll star. That was their big hit. That was their first big Definitely hit. maybe sounds like a shitty rom com starring Neve Campbell. It does. <laughs> Actually, was, was there Nev Campbell, also known as Nev? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there was a movie called something like that, right? I'm sure there was. I'm sure there was. I love you. I hate you. Definitely, maybe. Mm. Yes, no. Be here now was the one. Do you know what I mean? Which is my favorite Oasis song. Yeah, you know, I'd be all right if you stopped researching Oasis. Right yeah, now. it's that Ryan Reynolds movie where he's telling Abigail Breslin about all the three women that could be her mom. Oh, nice. Oh, so it's like father figures. So uh, now I, I want to know if that movie has any songs from the Oasis album in the soundtrack, because that would be. Yeah, that makes sense. This came out in two thousand eight. Okay. Uh, this is 94. It, I mean, the, it's, the like a, it's like a microcosm version of how do you make the movie Iron Man without the song Iron Man. Right? By the way, yeah. like the three women that could be her mom. I'm like, geez, can you imagine having a life like this? Yeah. Rachel Weisz, Elizabeth Banks, and Isla Fisher. Nice. <laughs> like, what a, what a roster. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Heard Simsler's name get uh, get mentioned in uh, one of the Kevin Smith podcasts the other yeah day. yeah um, someone asked him about what is the thing that they're it's working the comic on? book the, they're what, working hockey. on a, a hockey comic book God now I'm gonna forget the name of it it was something he originally want Kevin Smith was originally it's something like clear the benches or uh, hit somebody hit somebody yeah that was so I've seen some of this because oh, yeah. Jeremy shared some of it on Twitter with me privately it looks 
fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm pumped. And it's set back in the day, too. Like, yeah, yeah, in uh, the 70s. Yeah. Where it was still, yeah, like, somebody asked, goons and shit. Somebody asked him, asked Kevin Smith, about what the status of that was or whatever. Oh, yeah. Thing. And, and, uh, and he was like, yeah, I got Jeremy Simpson uh, working on it and all that and blah, blah, blah. And I was yeah. like, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Simpson mentioned. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> awesome. Graphic novel. I'm excited about it. it it's a must buy for me. We should have Kevin on for the next mini pod. We definitely should. <laughs> I wonder if we would get a word in edgewise. No. Well, you know what's funny? That there was a, that same one. It was it was the Fat Man on Batman podcast. Uh, some woman came up to ask a question, and she kept like breaking into like when he'd start answering it. Yeah, and when she, he's on a roll, he's and, on a roll. And he, she was like, and she was like, but what, what, what was? And he goes, can I, can I answer the question? I'd never heard him like upset before. Like he's like, I, you keep on buttoning, and she kept doing it throughout, even after that. Jesus, it was the most, it was one of the most like, ner- like listening to a podcast making me anxious. Like oh, I was sitting there man. going, damn, just you know shut up let him say his thing but i i understand if i'm sure that you know she knows that he goes on like long rants and if you can't and if you have some other thought you'll never right. get to that thought right well and also you know she may, maybe she's she's that big of a fan and this is the mm. only chance she's ever gonna have to face to face him yeah. and it's he hard is garrulous to... yeah well i mean he's a he's a wisp in, in my experience like he's a ghost you know if i ever if i ever got him face to face i probably wouldn't shut up either yeah yeah meanwhile meanwhile you have randos coming up to like you know (laughs) like one asked him he's like hey do you mind if i smoke weed with you afterwards and he like pleaded and pleaded and he was like i'll tell you what after the show we'll go off in the corner and we'll smoke a bit are you serious (laughs) yeah oh that's hilarious yeah oh my god <laughs> All right, are we doing a show? What are you doing over there? Looks like you're doing something. Do a show. I'm just pulling up the agenda. Here. You're looking at nudes, aren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all the all the all the fresh new nudes. <laughs> I loved that discussion, by the way, on Twitter about how you handled the porn part of Spider-Man: Homecoming when your son watched it and you talked over it expertly because you're oh, a good man. dad. But I, I mean, it's something I as as somebody who doesn't have a kid have never given a second thought to because of course you would let a seven or a 10 year old see that movie yeah it's a fairly harmless movie but have you had the porn conversation yet i don't know nope and so you know it's just interesting that oh no because i obviously loved that line and i was (laughs) i was looking forward to watching it so i made this it it was like almost minute zero where i had to make the call like do i want to laugh at this line or do I want to just delay this conversation for another four years <laughs> if possible? And I was like, hey, so how do you like the movie so far? As he's doing it, he's like, Dad, shut up. And it was over. And I was like, oh, all right, fine. Nice. Good job. Mm-hmm. Nice High job, five in myself. Yeah. yeah.